look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. And welcome to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania, just 90 minutes or so, 90 miles actually, uh, east of the Republican National Convention that's taking place as we speak. Of course, uh, we broadcast live every weeknight, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Global Star Radio Network, our, our flagship network. Global Star Radio Network. We're also simulcast on Blog Talk Radio. That's BTR and YouTube as well. You can watch us live on YouTube. Just see, we're right there. Yeah, there we are. Links to each audio and video broadcasting venue can be found at uh, HagmanandHagman.com. Don't forget, folks, we've got two different websites: HagmanReport.com and HagmanReport, or I'm sorry, HagmanandHagman.com and HagmanReport.com. HagmanandHagman.com show information. HagmanReport.com show prep and uh, vital information. And I'm Doug Hagman, now I'm with film investigator, researcher, son, Joe Hagman. Something I like to call, affectionately, America's premier father-son investigative reporting team. I want to welcome all of our listeners from all across the country, all across the world. Thank you for tuning in to us. We know that we're up against heavy competition. That's the RNC. Heavy competition. Between that and reruns of The Love Boat, God, hey, you know, I, it's a hard choice, man. It really is. But seriously, I want to thank each and every one of you for joining us, Joe. Uh, lot to, lot to get into today, that's for sure. Yeah, we sure do. <clears throat> um, there's a lot going on around the country. We still have ongoing the Republican yeah. National Convention. It's going to continue. We have, uh, um, right through, right through November. <clears throat> protests underway there and skirmishes around the city from the KKK to Westboro Baptist Church. Oh, yeah, they're good friends at Westboro Baptist Church. Oh, shoot. Somebody grab that. <laughs> Had a little, uh, what's that, a wardrobe malfunction over there? Spill a cup of coffee? All right, now we're going to get into it. Oh, that was horrible. That was absolutely, 
Oh, the carnage! I I didn't see what's going on over there. So uh, that was, for example, that was that was as bad as Joe. That was that was what it, like you. Okay, <laughs> can't be good. Um, just, yeah, we got go, a number of things to get into. Tonight. Help me, yeah. We're take over for me. Okay, get into the Republican National Convention. We're going to get into the attempted coup, a military coup in Turkey, and the some of the facts behind that because what is being reported as an attempted coup seems to be a setup from the beginning in a move I would say that Erdogan is using to uh, consolidate power as well as taking away the rights of more citizens in Turkey and it looks like some of the people in the military and the police were set up um, there is speculation that there was a uh, a drill that was taking place. Um, a lot to get into. Also, there was another police officer shot in Kansas City, and uh, he is dead. He was the, a police chief, uh, I believe. Um, I'm going to uh, get the latest on that because the story I have on that was from a few hours ago when the officer was in critical condition. Critical condition now has passed away, sadly. And we're going to get into some other things. Also, Stan Dale will be back tonight with us. Uh, he gave me a call earlier today, and we talked for a little bit. He is uh, just coming off the prophecy conference that happened in Colorado, where Stan and uh, Paul McGuire and a number of other people were speaking. <clears throat> and he's going to be joining us, as he does every Tuesday, uh, in the third hour to get into some of what he talked about at the conference in his lecture series and um, some other information. And I want to say thank you to those listeners out there who attended the conference. Stan said that uh, our audience was uh, very much a presence at the conference, and um, he was very happy and, and uh, thankful for that. So I want to extend that thank you to you people out there who attended the conference and who had Stan and, and Holly in your prayers and that uh, was a great event and you can uh, go to prophecywatchers.com to get the uh, DVDs I don't believe the live stream is available uh, unless some unless there was purchased before but definitely something to um, look forward to as there was I think 28 or 32 speakers there just fantastic as I hear him crying over there, my dad. Oh, oh, oh the humanity. I, I'm almost, uh, I'm so curious. I'm ready to get up and, and get off camera to see what happened over there. We had a tragedy over here. Is anything destroyed? No. You know, we have a rule in the studio. <laughs> I'm out of breath. You don't bring, you don't bring, uh, you don't bring drinks in, except I mean, I mean, we. Anyway, uh, I knocked we, I knocked my drink off of the. When I say drink, I'm the purple stick. To, to those people, I, I knocked my purple stick uh, mix off of. We've got a, a shelf here. You're not. You're not getting oh, any wires. My. Well, that was my concern. Whether we got whether I got any of the wires, and. um Oh my! Oh, the humanity! Let's uh, uh, no. H- hang on. You, you want to bring a camera and show this mess I created? Yeah. All right. 
A police captain shot and killed make this stuff up. in right. Kansas City, Kansas. Kansas City Police Chief Terry Good. Ziegler said a police officer was shot and later died Tuesday afternoon. The officer had been taken to the hospital in critical condition. It was a male officer, the trauma surgeon at Kansas University Medical Center, said the police captain had died of his injuries, according to the Associated Press. Police captain Dave Melton has identified has been identified as the police officer killed uh, police captain in Kansas City. Oh man! The spokesman for the police department earlier uh, said the police officer's condition was critical, and uh, the incident happened in a residential neighborhood northwest of Kansas City, Kansas, at 22nd and Haskell. Um, the shooting of the police captain occurred when he was responding to a report of shots fired by several people in a car. When the officers arrived on the scene, three of the four people who had been shooting from the car jumped out and ran away, <clears throat> the Kansas City Police Department said in a statement. The police said there were two suspects. One was in custody. Another is still at large. The police officer was taken to the Kansas City or the Kansas University Medical Center and where he passed away from his in- injuries. Okay. So again, another. No, I, 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 and I apologize for being otherwise distracted on this. Uh, of all the story, I mean, this is an important in- story. Is there a suspect? One they, suspect is in custody. Another right. is at large. All right. Conspiracy, but, the ambush know, against the police officers. What's the motive? Well, here? what they say is they were uh, they're responding to a call of shots fired. Right. And, by several people in a car. When the officers arrived, three or four people who had been shooting from a car jumped out and ran away. Now, the police say there were two suspects. One's in custody and another is at large. All right. And any description of the one at large or the one in custody? No, no. Any motive? No, but I it, oh, there you go. don't know if this is... And I would say no to this being an ambush killing. It appears that they were responding. They the the police officer was responding to shots fired, and so it looks like he before. came on to the crime scene and engaged the suspects and became shot himself and has passed away. It's it's you know it's sad. I think like that brings the total to uh, thirty two officers uh, killed this year, which at this point last year was eighteen. Yeah. Um, I'm so, not sure of the numbers, but it sounds about right. So, in, in, if I heard you correctly, the officer in critical condition in, in um, uh, Baton Rouge passed away. Is that what you did? You tell me that? No, I did not. Um, or who, what, this was a separate. This was Kansas City Police okay, Captain so that, shot and killed in Kansas right. City. Do we know the status of the Baton Rouge police officer that was in critical condition? Do we know? Is there any update that we that we've seen on his condition? No, not that I've seen. All right. Um, and that's something we should look into. You know, there's a lot of um, coverage right now from the RNC to things happening at Fox News. Right. As Roger Ailes um, seems to be on his way out at Fox News, and the if you look at the headlines on Drudge, it uh, mentions that from Fox and Friends to yeah. The Five, Bill O'Reilly, Greta Van Susteren, Hannity, Shepard Smith are meeting to discuss leaving the network in show of support for Roger Ailes. Well, O'Reilly and uh, I think Hannity and perhaps one other, they've got clauses in their contract that follow Ailes. So in other words, if Ailes goes, they, they're free to go uh, as as well. I know O'Reilly's one of the primary ones. Um, 
their loyalty is to ales in, in their contracts as talent is associated with ales. And it's interesting too, Joe, you mentioned this, uh, how Megan Kelly had, um, um, it, it, there's a coup going on at Fox News. Mm-hmm. Now, it looks like they're going to get a, a facelift. Well, yeah, I, I guess, okay, my question is, is this orchestrated like everything else is, or is this, is this a, a situation where a cigar is just a cigar in terms of um, appearance? And, and pardon that expression, okay, that made famous during the Clinton days, of course. I mean, it, it, is this what it appears to be, or is there, is, there, is there something deeper behind this? That's my question on this. When I saw this earlier today... Yeah. Well, this stems from a complaint in 2006 that Megan Kelly launched against Ailes, uh, a sexual right. assault complaint or sexual harassment complaint. Right. Apparently, she did not like the way that he gave her a hug, well, according to... No, okay. She was interviewed from... Um, who's the, the the talent that left... Uh, um, that filed the suit? Not not Megan Kelly, but the other one that filed the suit. My goodness. That really messed me up here. Um, the the, uh, the the woman that uh, um, not Megan Kelly, the, the initial person who filed the complaint against Ailes, uh, against Ailes, uh, in the run up to that complaint, they interviewed people at Fox News, not including oh, Megan okay, Kelly. Okay. okay, and Megan Kelly did state that hey, back in two thousand and six, uh, there was an issue with. Ailes and me and, and went into detail with the Gretchen investigators. Carlson. Gretchen Carlson. Thank you so much. Folks, you, you knew that. You could have helped me out. Just shout it out from the studio audience out there. <laughs> um, but, but seriously, so that's where that came from. And the, the there, there's a division there, the Ailes people and, and others. Now, I had a source, a, a female source in Fox News, New York City. And this individual had given me a lot of information during the time of the Obama birth certificate, the Obama nomination, the uh, saying that basically they were all under kind of tight surveillance there. When I say all of them, some of the workers, because there were leaks coming out of Fox News, and I talked to this young woman who was pregnant, and she has since uh, she was not born in the United States or not from the United States, and she um, she was being harassed and was under surveillance during uh, a time period when we were looking I remember for that. getting up. And, and she ultimately left uh, the country, went back to where she was, you know, her original uh, country. But she was a secretary at Fox News. And so, so with these news companies, these news networks, all is not what it appears. However, is this exactly what it appears that's my question and that's a good question um, and, and is it and is it and who cares if it is and, and i don't mean to be crass but right i mean uh, in, in my opinion they could use a, a facelift and get some new talent in there uh, yeah you know half of the people on there are worthless as journalists um you know writing what what is given to them to or reading what is given to them to to read Reporting at an angle they're told to report on, um, just like any mainstream news outlet, uh, very biased and, and with an agenda. The only difference is now is Fox is the number one cable news-rated uh, TV station, which could uh, this situation could really change uh, the ratings. I don't know. Well, but you know it would yeah. be good because if Bill O'Reilly left. Uh, Sean Hannity left. They were, 
as much as people like to think they're not doing any favors to the to the public out there. And I, I got to tell you too, listening and watching the Shepherd Smith men, I, I just I can only take like seconds of doses of of Shepherd Smith. It depends on what he's talking um, about. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, but but when he was talking, Bill O'Reilly gets gets me more. Well, they they they, they kind of all do, and and the conservative part of this, Joe, it, it's not. You know, you've got moral concerns, social conservatives, where people, in, it, it, this is my definition of a social conservative, is you believe in a, in a, a biblical family, a nuclear family, with, with one husband, one wife, and children, natural children or adopted children, if you can't have children, okay? Um, that's, to me, a social conservative or, or a conservative on social issues. And does not believe in, in uh, the, uh, I mean, or believes in the biblical uh, uh, status of, of the nuclear family. So, Fox to me has lost all of that. Mm-hmm. They've lost Very their right. moral compass. Their, uh, there's, is there anyone left in the mainstream media? My question to you, that is. God fearing. Um, that is, uh, well, that believes in in uh, that marriage is, you know, by definition, biblical between a man and a, wo- a woman. That is anti-abortion, anti, you know, infanticide. Is there, mean, is there any, the mainstream any, media? Any, any of the mainstream media like that? I'm definitely not the person to ask about this because the mainstream media is. Something that I try to stay away from as much as possible, aside from sound bites that make headlines and um, well, crazy, yeah, uh, quotes. Like you mentioned yesterday, uh, Pat Smith giving a uh, talk at the RNC and Chris Matthews' response yeah. to it. Well, I found something even worse than this. I don't know if you've heard of uh, uh, a GQ journalist named uh, oh. Bethlehem Scholes. Yeah, I'm not sure the this, exact pronunciation of the last name. This article says the speech by one of Hillary Clinton Benghazi victims ruined the night for Chris Matthews, but it really hit home uh, for this person who wrote, who's a, a GQ journalist, uh, Bethlehem Scholes, says, I don't care how many children Pat Smith lost, I would like to beat her to death. On Twitter. So, this is a man... Uh, and it was deleted right away. And now, uh, you know, the, if you follow the, the tweets here, it says, now just wait and see how many veiled threats of violence come from this stage tonight. Then come tell me how out of line I was. Goes on to start feeling sorry for themselves and saying, if this makes, this make, uh, this is making me so hopeless. If this account gets deleted because of what I've said, this country is really a sham. But, um, again, GQ journalist, Bethlehem Shoals. I don't care how many children Pat Smith lost. I would like to beat her to death in a tweet. Yeah, he since apologized. I just want to this from the Washington Post. Um, to, to say that under no circumstances is it okay to no. invoke violence against women. Of course, especially you know, a victim of a of a uh, the mother of a slain U.S. personnel in overseas. Who was left to die? And, and, and by, by, by the way, administration. 
Right. By the way, this this Bethlehem uh, Shoals is a pseudonym for a guy by the name of Nathaniel Friedman. Thank you. Okay. I was looking for that. Nathaniel Friedman. That's the the, the dweeb that uh, uh, tweeted a death wish of uh, the mother of the slain Sean Smith, the uh, who criticized Hillary Clinton. All right. Um, and, and here's here's what this 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 uh, Nathaniel Friedman, this poor excuse of a writer, said. And I quote: "I don't care how many children Pat Smith lost." I would like to beat her to death. That Nathaniel Friedman from GQ magazine. The tweet was deleted, but captured before any of the news, uh, before news watchdog, uh, beforehand by news watchdog media research center. Uh, sorry about that. I no, that's I, fine. I trenched my words there by the news watchdog media research center. Smith, Patricia Smith, told a nationally televised audience of about ten million people that she blames Hillary. Diane Rodham, the witch Clinton, although she didn't say those words, she blames Clinton for the death of her son. And uh, again, this uh, this little uh, torp, uh, you know, I, I wonder how old this Nathaniel Friedman is. Um, I got a real problem with people who talk like that. Absolutely. Um, sorry. I mean, you're not talking to some politician or uh, you know some. Celebrity who is who is uh, jargoning for a, a political uh, person. You're talking about uh, a mother of a victim from the Benghazi attacks, who was speaking her heart and telling the truth. And because this person doesn't agree with what she said, he wants to beat. He's saying he wants to beat her to right. death. I mean. He makes Chris Chris Matthews look good uh, from what he said yesterday about how she ruined the evening. Well, at the convention, <laughs> I just found out that uh, Bethlehem Shoals, this Nathaniel Friedman, was born on January first, nineteen seventy-eight. What a way to break, bring the year in! Uh, he's he's considered an American journalist and sports blogger. Well, apparently, you know, he should stick to sports, and specializing in U.S. international basketball. That this is the the GQ writer, and and you know, I just have a, a real issue with this because I can put yourself in Patricia Smith's place, and then having this this uh, still wet behind the ears young man, Nathaniel Friedman. Say something like that about Patricia Smith. Shame on you, and and, and shame on GQ magazine. If you know, imagine Kurt imagine. Schilling on from ESPN. There you go. After yeah. he was suspended in last fall for uh, stating that Hillary Clinton deserved to be in prison on his own social media account, right. and then he was fired this spring after stating in a his own unique way that men's bathrooms are for men and women's bathroom is for women. Well, well, but this well, what is he? Thirty-eight now, thirty-eight-year-old uh, guy. Uh, Thirty, uh, yeah, it'd be thirty-eight. So, so uh, meet me a GQ magazine. Fire Nathaniel uh, Friedman. Fire Bethlehem Shoals. I don't even know anybody this who reads little, GQ uh, magazine. Um, he looks like a. <laughs> Should have said that on there. <laughs> the, what did you just he did it in his little funny voice? Yeah, uh, he looks like a little uh, 
I'm sorry. You know what? Well, we're at this point. I, I can't show. do that. Go ahead. Let's uh, let's take a short break and and bring you a word from from our partner in our radio endeavor, Minuteman. Stoves. There we go. Minuteman Rocket Sanity here, folks. Go to MinutemanStove.com. Check out their awesome, lightweight, portable rocket stove. It's a, a fantastic uh, stove built out of a ammo can, but it is different from other ammo cans as it's reinforced with one eight one eighth inch steel. It's also uh, there's a burner welded onto it. It's very easy to move, easy to clean, and very easy to use using any dry wood or tinder. Uh, along with the fire sticks they have, makes uh, cooking on the go in camping situations or survival situations without power very easy and simple. Folks, go to MinutemanStove.com. Um, Mr. Miller is the owner. Uh, if you have any Wayne questions Miller's about the pro- guy. product, send them an email yep. or give them a call. But you cannot beat the uh, uh, efficiency and the, the mobility of Minuteman Stove. Minute and we've Man used it. Stove. I mean, yeah. We used it and uh, tested it, tried it out. Works good and it works well if you have anything that needs to, anything that needs heated up and cooked and it's very efficient and it yeah. doesn't and you can seal it too. It's got a rubber it's, seal. It's about what ten inches, eight inches mm-hmm. by maybe it's five inches high. Yeah, yeah. and hey. it's uh, as I said, reinforced with steel. Um, the fire sticks that it comes with, you get eight thousand well, to fifteen thousand. I think yeah. right. Yeah. Um, but again, Minuteman Rocket Stove, MinutemanStove.com. Check that out. And Portions of the Nice Broadcast also brought to you by WholeTonesLive.com. Go to WholeTonesLive.com. That's WholeTonesLive.com. Another great company for melodious music of King David and frequencies. My goodness, WholeTonesLive.com. Thanks for that. And thanks for getting me off that, uh, uh, that rant there because, you know, it, thank you. I, I, I want to mention a couple of things here because we've got the smartest audience in the entire on the entire planet. First of all, thank you, Mary. Mary had uh, sent a link where the police officer that was wounded um, in Baton Rouge and, and yeah, um, is paralyzed on a ventilator. Um, I, I just want to make sure I've got the right right one here because I didn't check this out. Um, Police Chief Kevin Scott announced Monday uh, that wounded Baldwin Officer Michael Flamion is paralyzed from the neck down. Uh, this is yeah, um, this is horrible. Yeah, okay. This wait, is wait, not the Baton Rouge police officer. This is the officer who was right. ambushed in his car in Missouri. Right. Um, that July I think 8th. This, yeah, this was on the eighth. Uh, we talked about this. Uh, yesterday and and right. the days before, uh, but he was thirty one years old. Is thirty one? Is thirty one years old? Yeah. And uh, from what I understand, the family started a GoFundMe page to raise two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and as of yesterday, it was already up to one hundred and eighty some thousand dollars, which is just excellent for the public to step up and and take care of one of their own. The community respond, or you know, really members of the. Uh, at least my generation, yours not not so much, but mine, ours. You know what I'm talking about, guys, guys especially, my age. We rally, right? When needed. But anyway, um, and thank you, Mary, for for that uh, update on the on the um, other officer. A couple of things from other emailers here. 
And they got the GoFundMe page. I'm sorry. No. 264,000 out of 325,000, uh, they have raised by 3,865 people in 10 days. That's amazing. It, it's great. By the way, um, Larry M. from Santa Clarita, our, our, uh, Baltic Dry Index man is now the resident expert on the conventions. Uh, RNC has officially nominated Donald J. Trump as a Republican candidate for President of the United States, effective seven fifteen PM Eastern Time today. Thank you for that. And that's uh, no surprise. We were watching some of the live coverage from the right. RNC before the show as they were going alphabetical order and state by state to list how the delegates voted. And um, it was clear from, I don't know, the first five states, you know, Donald Trump was going to be the nominee. Now, there is still speculation about Ted Cruz and a walkout of Cruz supporting but would Republicans that make a at the convention. Absolutely not. Actually, it would probably do those in the convention as well as the Donald Trump supporters a favor in showing uh, where the party elite and people in the party stand uh, as far as where his support is concerned if they were to do such a thing. Now, there has been an escalation in um, protesting and fighting outside the convention, uh, apparently, people have been uh, using feces and uh, mm. urine against each other in fights. The uh, Alex Jones got into it. Yeah, uh, I, I with heard some, about that. Some people there in, in the crowd outside while he was speaking out of a bullhorn. And uh, <laughs> there are reports of the KKK and and others uh, others there starting trouble. And there's also reports of some kind of illness going around at the RNC um, that includes diarrhea and vomiting. And I have the, I didn't say the story, but uh, some kind of uh, virus. It's it's similar to the flu, um, a neurovirus infection. Yeah, but you know, uh, uh, outbreak reported among GOP convention staffers. Okay, and that's a lot different than we'll say the people out uh, in the in the, in the right, public, the right. staffers. Mm. Yeah, this is happening inside the convention, okay. um, which is something that people want to keep their eye on. As the convention lasts until Thursday, I believe, and um, apparently it's very easy to spread this uh, norovirus. Right. Um, we talked yesterday. Uh, switching gears here, we talked yesterday about the. Axe attack in Germany. Yes, and j- just couldn't figure out what, they, what the motive for that attack was. Well, it's we been reported that the German Axe terrorist reveals ISIS ties. Police have found a hand-painted Islamic State flag in the room of a young Afghan refugee who attacked passengers in a southeastern uh, German in southeastern Germany with an axe. So, so what you're saying is Islam had nothing to do with that? Well, the interior minister. Now, the Bavarian interior minister said it was too early to say whether the youth was a member of the Islamic State. The Islamic State claimed responsibility for the attack, according so, to... Wait a second, what I hear you saying is Amway Islam is a re- religion of peace. Yes. Okay. And, I the, and the future does not belong to those who slander the prophet. I see. So, so the axe... Okay, just to be, get this the straight, the axe... The, 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 yeah, there you go. Uh, 
but the the axe was actually responsible for the for the the attack. Well, there were no trees in the area. Well, I'm sure there had to be a tree, uh, because why else would he be carrying an axe? Because it's Islam is a religion of peace, and that's what I heard you say. And Islam had nothing to do with the motive behind the attack. ISIS had nothing. <clears throat> but regardless of them mm-hmm. claiming responsibility and the hand painted flag that the attacker was carrying, no, they didn't. Right. Uh, in Germany, I mean, and in your, all of Europe is seeing the increase of these just senseless attacks taking place due to the influx of immigrants that have poured through. So uh, you're Europe. anti-immigration and you're you're a xenophobic uh, bigot. Um, if you want to word it that way, I can word it a different that's way. What I hear you, that's what I hear you say. I, that's I, okay. I, I, so, so you hate immigrants, all immigrants. No. Um, but if we are going to go by the laws, at least in this country, immigrants have a legalization process. And not to, so, to mention uh, that the you, Obama you, administration you, you, lost no, their Supreme well, Court but, ruling on amnesty is asking for a, a second ruling from the Supreme Court. Apparently the first one wasn't clear enough and he didn't get his way. So, uh, so, so you hate all immigrants. That's what I hear you say. You, that's what you hear me say. I uh-huh. hate all immigrants. Yeah, you hate you hate every, anyone who's not just like you. That's is a what lot you're of saying. people. <laughs> that's a lot of people. Um, no, I think the uh, illegal immigration, as we've talked about, is a is a ruse to bring in, um, you know, fighters uh, of the Islamic State, as they have said themselves. So you're just saying Islam is a religion of peace. Islam is been radicalized and turned into a religion of violence at least for so you hate all muslims no see you keep bringing up this word hate well it's all hate speech that's all i hear from you is hate speech i'm gonna call coach dave he's gonna have to come sort this out we we need we need you know what we need to do we need to file suit against each other take it to court and have it have it litigated and then take it up to the highest court and, and then have new definitions of, of you know, <clears throat> we need to do this because, I mean, it would be only right because uh, because what I hear you saying is, is, you know, you hate immigrants and you hate the, uh, you, you hate the uh, sodomites. And you um, would be um, like the majority of the country who hears what they want to hear. What I just heard you say is hate speech. Well, you, what's you, your definition you, of hate? Speech? What, you, you hate me because I'm different than you. <laughs> what's your definition of hate? Anything that anything that I don't agree with, essentially. That's, no, you know I, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop being uh, doing this. I, it, it's you see. No, that's the argument. I mean, this is a ridiculous aspect of. Seriously, it, it is getting so ridiculous when um, the, the, the the First Amendment. In the Second Amendment, all the amendments are are, are being uh, uh, just—I don't know—twisted to, to to the point where we have no rights anymore, or the rights that we do have uh, are being eroded and marginalized. And those people who have who the minority, well, you are wanna, being elevated to special rights status. We can dig into this a little bit more. There's an article out of the New American about Black Lives Matter activists to white folks, your money and your life. This article goes on to talk about the Black Lives Matter movement, 
which started from so you hate all black social people. media. <laughs> it has grown to become a force to be reckoned with. Okay. As Black Lives Matters claims to be about justice and equality, the leaders of Black Lives Matters and apologists frequently deny that the movement is itself racist and inflammatory. So you're the racist for talking about it. Last week, uh, a Miss Shackleford had a... That sounds like a made-up name. A vulgarity-laden article published by Wear Your Voice, in which she makes it clear that white people are, at best, second-class citizens in the movement in fact, she says the proper role of white folks is either as human shields, criminal agents, or financiers. You want to fight me, don't you? <laughs> I, I feel like you've just assaulted me. Assaulted me. Well, you should call in, uh, what are those, the emergency uh, hate response teams that some of the university hired for the Trump chalkings of 2016. Oh, my gosh. The, there's no, tr- no chalking here, is there? The students were offended by slogans like Trump 2016 and all lives matter to the point where they needed uh, counselors for emotional trauma as they read I don't know if I can continue I don't know if I can continue I I I I but I'm starting mentally oh my god (laughs) Eric just you see what happened Eric just threw this eraser it's actually a whiteboard eraser so my PTSD is not that bad but see this is this is what we have to deal with, you know. It's it's kind of it's kind of funny, Joe. I, I, again, I took away from your time, but no, uh, and we're being we're being just goofy a little bit. It started with me uh, smelling the purple stick, but no, it started before that. We had yeah. a kind of a relaxed uh, day today. Talked a lot on the phone with with people and um, a lot of phone calls. Yeah, a lot of uh, nine hundred numbers, and <laughs> no, we uh, we got a lot done and a lot happen. figured out. Um, Anyway, also, um, let's see here. Yeah, you're right. Turkey. This is what I wanted to get into. Turkey, the uh, attempted military coup. There is a lot of news coming out about Turkey and what really happened in the attempted coup, or potentially, um, this whole thing was a setup from the beginning as right. it's being reported that Turkish intelligence knew military coup would be carrying, carried out in advance and had made a, and put a plan in place in order to make a Drogan look like a hero and a savior of the country in reality where he's just uh, consolidating power and being able to change laws and restrict freedoms that he wanted to weeks before the coup uh, or attempted coup. Um, is now being made to look like a a hero, and is is um, I mean this is getting out of hand. You have this country is being purged uh, from universities, purging teachers to police officers to military personnel. Over fifty thousand people uh, in Turkey have been um, uh, suspended or detained, and. Erdogan, new of the military coup in advance, has been purging the army, the army, military, police, the judiciary, now universities, schools, religious authorities, and intelligence agencies have been purged of over 50,000 members who have been suspended or detained, some humiliated, uh, over 250 killed, and um, uh, it's being reported out of Moscow. Media reports emerged that an undercover plot forced the faction to move the coup date 
Initially, it had been planned to be carried out in the early hours of July 16th. On July 15th, the Turkish National Intelligence Organization was informed about a coup attempt. In its regard, the country's airspace was closed. Military air flights were prohibited, the armed forces says. Late on Friday, Turkish authorities said an attempted coup was taking place in the country. The coup attempt was suppressed by early Saturday with Turkish Prime Minister um, Yidrim stating that all coup supporters had been identified and would be apprehended as the country was returning to normal life. Thousands of judiciary and senior civil service members have been removed from office in Turkey and thousands of military personnel were arrested. Turkish Armed Forces confirmed in a statement Tuesday it had prior knowledge of a military faction coup plot late last week. So, um, and Erdogan, again, targeted more than 50,000 uh, members of the leadership roles in all factions of his community from religious to civil service to police to judiciary and now what they're trying to do is say that uh, this was part and planned by the United States and um, Turkey vowed to root out allies of the U.S. and the U.S. based cleric it has blamed for the abortive coup last week um, widening a purge of the army and university schools and religious authorities as uh, reiterating that, and the country of 80 million, which borders Syria and is a Western ally against the Islamic State, um, there's a lot of of it de- depends on what website you go to, but you can get ev- you can get both sides of what is the allegedly the truth. One will say that um, you know this was a, a surprise attack. Drogan didn't know it was happening. Um, and the, the U.S. That. was behind it. Another says that they knew exactly what was happening and they took the measures to make sure it failed before it was even started. And in order to make uh, Erdogan look good, he's being hailed as the basically a new Muslim Hitler in the Middle East and um, being propped up as some kind of um, to, to some kind of godlike. Uh, Stature in his country by his supporters now. Well, well think of think of this too. And, and I was I was talking to to both Dave Hodges, Dave Hodges last night after the show for some time, and then early this morning I was talking to Steve Quayle uh, early by my standards, so it had to be early by his standards as well. And um, uh, first of all, let, let me start with Steve. We were talking about Turkey. And we were talking about the uh, the coup, and he said, "Absolutely, look, this is Erdogan's." Uh, um, Planning in tandem with Obama's ideas as well, but at at issue here at the epicenter, the the, the prize or or the, um, the the part that people are not paying attention to is the control over the Inkerlik uh, uh, Air Force Base, the the Air Force Base or the the base in Turkey. And some pronounce it in Serlik, Inkerlik, whatever. Um, the, the, the home of the, what is it, the 39th, uh, squadron? I'm, I'm looking here. Anyway, there's, there's up to what, uh, 50 to, to 60, or there's 50 B-61 nuclear bombs on site. Alright, at, at, at this base. Now, Turkey cut off the power. The temperatures there are 90 degrees. They've got no access to air conditioning in our, in our base. 
uh, or other non-essential powered amenities. So think about that. And true news, uh, Rick Wiles had reported on this. So what we're seeing here, folks, I believe, is, yeah, the coup, which was staged, but who's going to ultimately end up controlling or having possession of those nuclear weapons? You know, there is, um, there's been a, a leak. WikiLeaks has released today the Adrogan files yeah. at 11 p.m. Anakra time. WikiLeaks released part one of the AKP emails. AKP, or the Justice and Development Party, is the ruling party of Turkey and is the political force behind the country's president. Right. Um, part one of the series covers 762 mailboxes, beginning with A through I, containing almost 300,000 emails and this is the first part of the file dump, um, <clears throat> and the emails date back to as early as 2010, uh, all the way up to July 6, 2016. The material was obtained a week before the attempted coup. However, WikiLeaks has moved forward with its publication schedule in response to the government's post-coup purges. Well, so these are something that we're going to have to go through. Um, folks, you can go on WikiLeaks uh AKP hyphen emails, wikileaks.org backslash AKP hyphen emails. And we should be putting these links up for the uh, listeners at HagmanReport.com. Well, you know, All it's right. interesting. When this, as soon as this was released, <clears throat> WikiLeaks be, came under a cyber attack. Yeah. I and know. their site was down for a while. And, yep. uh, it, it has just since popped back up. Uh, with this information, so I was unable to search through this earlier, but now with the uh, site backup, we can um, continue to dig through these and see how much was actually shared, how much information was shared about the coup before it happened and what um, people were saying about it. Now, you mentioned something that uh, Steve said on our show about the coup. Right. And folks... um Dave Hodges and Steve Quayle are both going to be appear on our show to class it up a little bit on Monday, this coming Monday, the 25th. All right. Uh, I spoke with, again, Dave Hodges uh, and Steve Quayle independently. And we're, Steve and Dave are going to be talking about the coup and, and, and about uh, the air base in Iceland about Russia's potential involvement. Steve and I had a mm-hmm. long conversation about Russia. And is there some involvement of Russia? Certainly there there might very well. I mean, it, it, it certainly seems like that there could very well be. Um, the fate of the 50 uh, uh, nuclear uh, bombers, 50 B-1 bombers and their nuclear warheads, I guess that would be more than 50 then. The fate of the... Uh, to, uh, 20,000 political, military, and police officials throughout the country, the fate of, of NATO itself. And it was on May 6, 2014, that you found this out, and I was speaking with Dave Hodges last night about the program when both Dave and Steve were on. Folks, they were talking about NATO, Europe, and the events mm-hmm. taking place. So this is going to, essentially what they said during that program, it would be two years ago now, in last May, has already taken place, and it's amazing to listen to that program two years ago and how correct they were 
in their intelligence assessment. So they're coming back on Monday, and uh, that's Dave Hodges and Steve Quayle, just to be clear. But, but yes, yeah, so this coup, um, the, the coup was, I believe at this point, was 100% staged, and, and that's just from my mm-hmm. my, uh, my research. And if I, if I yeah. may, before we go to the top of the hour, tomorrow is the 23rd anniversary of the uh, murder of Vince Foster. I just want to bring this up. And uh, that's that's what caused me to spill my health master's purple stick when I was I was moving the notes of my uh, of my uh, oh, about okay. that, uh, moving the notes on the under the the shelf here. But if you look at all of the evidence, and I, I'm going to be putting together the the evidence um, in terms of the Star investigation, the Fisk investigation, the uh, the different reports. Where the body was found, uh, I've got pictures of me in, in Fort Marcy Park. Boy, a long time ago, I still had the uh, dark hair. I had dark hair at that point at, at that time in my life. You actually have a little jar of. Um... Uh, but, but you can't say that because. Okay. Here, a personal. You know what? Momentum. Can you? In that case, there's that small wooden box with a picture on it. Can you bring that to? Okay. Look at this, folks. I, I had done this. Um, Does that have to do with some kind of laws about the... Yeah. Yeah. We can't, uh, okay. I, I guess extradition, you know. I can still. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anybody uh, um, will be putting out warrants looking for no, anything you uh, get. Well, no, of course not. But Eric's... What did Eric's it's actually here? silly if you were to actually tell people what it was. Yeah, that's it. Thank you. You would never... All right. what, I, what I did in this... Uh, I did this in 2003. Uh, what? Well, my goodness. How long ago was that? 13 years ago, right? Good math. Anyway, I did this in 2003. I don't know if you can see this. Um, let's see here. Okay. Or, or, okay. And if you can't see this, obviously, if you're listening to this on Global Search, you're not going to be able to see this. I'll describe it for you. Um, what this is, is a shape generally like a casket. Don't yeah, don't worry about it, Eric. It's shaped kind of like a casket. And it's wooden. Yeah, you can see it pretty pretty good already. And, and uh now you got me like I, I don't know. You have the right remote. There we go. Look at that. Scary. This is not for sale. This is I mean this is just I made this up for um I'm trying to see if okay. So this is shaped like a casket. And, and to those listeners who are visually impaired or visually unable to get this, you'll have to accept my apologies here. It's a wooden casket-shaped box. And inside, okay, you can, on the outside, it's got 10 years, 19, 1993 to 2003. This, I, this is the 10th anniversary of the murder of Vince Foster. Vincent W. Foster, Clinton Administration, White House Deputy Counsel, Fort Mercy Park. And what I did was I, oh, I guess you could have, anyway, I, inside the top where the, where the linen would be, I've got pictures of Hillary Clinton and, and Vince Foster. And then inside, uh, there is dirt. And this dirt is consistent with the dirt at Fort Marcy Park. Notice, my, I chose my words very carefully because 
you cannot take anything, including dirt, from a national park. That's against the law. So this dirt is very consistent with the dirt at um, at Fort Marcy Park in here as evidence. And this is silica filled, and this this came. Um, let's see. Oh, I'm just going to say hypothetically came from the area where the body actually was found, the body of Vincent Foster. And you cannot walk across this without getting this all over your shoes. And uh, if this was the dirt Fort Mercy Park, uh, hypothetically speaking, of course, and the silica that's contained in the soil would stick to your shoes, stick to your pant legs, basically. Okay. And uh, then... This has all sorts of facts, and I start out by saying those who have been uh, those who have been once intoxicated with power and have derived any kind of a uh, uh, benefit from it, even though uh, even though but for one year can never be can never willingly abandon it. Edward Edmund Burke back in 1790. I did not do justice to that particular uh, hmm. thing. Anyway, and here is a set of pictures, and again, you don't have to really see this, um, of me in front of the Fort Marcy Park sign by the cannon where the body was found, showing my shoe, which is absent of any grass stain, or rather full of grass stains and, and uh, silica, whereas Vince Foster's shoe was not, and of course the area of Fort Marcy Park, and then the facts on the back about uh, uh, a quote from Gene Wheaton, who was a special agent U.S. Army CID excerpts from the death of Vince Foster, what really happened, and basically all I'm saying here is the fact that the facts don't add up. Vince Foster, the highest ranking official if he did uh, if he was murdered, and I believe he was the highest ranking official since JFK to be murdered, and if those people who assert he committed suicide the highest ranking uh, White House official to commit suicide since Forrestal so regardless of what your belief might be, a significant death nonetheless. And uh, But we're going to get more into that later. But uh, the fact is, Joe has been with me when we've been gone to Fort Marcy Park. Mm-hmm. We've looked at this. We've looked at the facts. We've talked to people who won't admit this, but some funny things happened at the autopsy. who won't admit this publicly. And uh, there are some things done to send a message to those who might talk. The bottom line is those people who say... And, and I submit this for your assessment. Those people who say that he committed suicide and the body was moved have more to have more of an agenda to cover than those people who say that he was actually murdered. In other words, be careful of who you listen to, folks. We're going to be right back. When we come back, number two, we're going to get into some uh, immigration news and statistics, uh, as well as a sanctuary city bill that has been. Uh, Put through by the Senate, the Senate rejects the funding of sanctuary cities. This bill was fast tracked, and more on the other side. In third hour, Standale, stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. Look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposed 
exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond, you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. This segment of the Hagman and the Hagman Report, I'm Doug Hagman with fellow investigator, researcher, my son, Joe Hagman, something I like to call America's premier father-son investigative reporting team, where we're coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania. Don't forget, next week, yeah, folks, uh, look, go to uh, Paul Begley's website, Pastor Begley's website. We're going to be on, we're going to be taping, it's going to be a riot, we're going to be in studio with a studio audience taping in Indianapolis a couple of segments, Joe and I, him and I. That, that that kid over there, Eric. Mm-hmm. He said, "No, you guys go. We're not. I'm not going." So we're on our own, and we're gonna be taking. It's gonna be a riot. If you're in Indianapolis, in and around that area, folks, please come and come and say hello to us. All right, you got to do this. Come on now. Uh, the, the registration or the tickets uh, for the in studio audience thing on television, they're going quick. So th- there's a taping what at nine and eleven, right? And a meet and greet between and after and before and during and yeah we're, we're going to be like Geraldo throwing shares and stuff like that and Paul Begley <laughs> okay remember that all right go to uh, paulbegleyprophecy dot com yeah. on the left hand side of the page there is a um, an ad yeah that uh, you get all the information about the location uh, it is are you sure just, yeah. Okay. And that has the address. It has the uh, link to register mm-hmm. to be part of the live in studio audience. And we will be not only doing two tapings, but as you said, we will be doing a meet and greet. And you know what? You can even get uh, you can even get a copy of my book there uh, if you'd like. If you like, I'll have some copies. I'll sign them for you. We'll take pictures together. It'll be fun. Come yeah. on now. Okay? Eight days remaining. We're not going to, look, we're not going to stop talking about this until the, all the tickets are sold out. Um, and there's a run on the tickets. Now I'm being, now I'm being serious. The tickets are going to be, uh, hard to come by if we don't, if you guys don't get them like really quick. So, in fact, if you just go, you know, JD, thank you so much, brother. Go to hagmanandhagman.com on the right hand side. Okay. Thank you, JD. I, man, I, I must have been out to lunch. Uh, I, I look at the website and, I, you know, synapses, not quite right. Anyway, Pastor Begley, Hagman and Hagman.com. On the right hand side on Hagman and Hagman.com. Thursday, July 28th, live studio audience. Big, you can't miss it. I did, but you shouldn't. 
you click on the link there, it says he'll be taping four shows. The yep. first two episodes will be with us. That's right. He says in here, you can be part of the energy that the live audience brings. And uh, he says, make sure you arrive early. The doors will shut for the live broadcast and remain shut un- until um, it is over. And it I, is, I heard we're going to be t- duct taped to the chairs. <laughs> it is uh-huh. at um, 10511 Greenfield Avenue in Noblesville, Indiana. So if you're close, look, t- take the day off work. All right. And, and you have to bring register. your mom. And you got, yeah, you have to register. And, um, uh, I, 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 seriously, I do have an email saying uh, tickets are going quickly, so registration is filling up. So please, uh, you've got nine and eleven. That's our segments, and you, you, and Pastor Paul Begley. I mean, you can't, you can't beat it with a stick. So again, take off work, take your mom, take your mother-in-law, bring your mother-in-law, whatever you need to do, but get to the television studios in. Uh, Noblesville. Uh, in, in, yeah, Indianapolis, Noblesville. Let's say Indianapolis. Even if you're within a couple of hours. Look, if you need to pick us, if, if we, if you need us to pick you up, we'll do that. Alright, we will. Um, I'm not sure. How many can we fit? At least three, four on the way out, you know, because we're, we're, we're driving. But, uh, um, no, seriously, come and join us in Indianapolis, Indiana. And while we're driving, one thing that I love I, I love WholeTonesLive.com. I love listening to the, the melodious tunes of WholeTonesLive.com. Folks, go to WholeTonesLive.com, and there download free samples of their music. Michael Terrell, the founder of WholeTonesLive.com, what a great guy. He actually created music, these music uh, uh, pieces uh, that that are set at different frequencies. Some can energize you. Some will... Give you a sedate feeling, you know, calm, relax your nerves and racing mind. Others provide mental acuity and better focus and what have you. We have them playing at the studio. You can buy the CDs uh, as well, uh, which I highly recommend. And depending on depending on what what your needs might be, you can use them at the office, use them at your home. Our dogs, Lady, your studio dog responds very well to the the melodies of Whole Tones Live. Um, you talk about when she gets, when she's hyper, you can slip in the, the, um, and, and I'm sorry, I, the name of the, the one that's the day she escapes me, but, uh, she actually, uh, sleeps really, really well. It helps my wife uh, sleep at night in, when we play in the background. It helps me focus, although you may not be able to tell on air because we don't play them on air. But wholetoneslive.com, based on the frequencies of the Bible, the music of King David, beautiful, beautiful. Just a wonderful, uh, an array of wonderful, uh, musical compositions. Michael Terrell was on our program, explained how it works. Folks, get them while you can. Alltoneslive.com. Michael Terrell, what a great uh, musician, what a great composer, and what a great product. Download the free samples, and then from there, go ahead and order the CDs. That's Alltoneslive.com. W-H-O-L-E, tones, as in whole, the entire the whole enchilada thing, wholetoneslive.com. And, and you really, you won't be sorry. You won't be sorry you did. Wholetoneslive.com. That's All right. right. Um, and, yeah, again, Dr. or uh, Pastor Paul Begley's show next Thursday, a week from tomorrow, Joe and I going to be there. want to see you there, too. You do, taping the television segment, be a part of the television audience. It's going to go out to, I don't know, I think, uh, uh, I think uh, at least uh, 100 people. 
100 to 150 people. Uh, no, I mean, for. Uh, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, the studio on uh, the studio, I believe, holds uh, between 100 and 150. Uh, but the reach of this is a million plus. Yeah, on, just on in the day. local market there. Yeah. And it's going to be aired in, in different cities. One uh, is Orlando. Um, I believe San Francisco is another before it goes out over, uh, direct TV dish network and, uh, the right. cable broadcasting networks. And you can get all that information, um, on Pastor Paul Bagley's site. But go to HagmanChannels.com and, and go, it, click on the link right. And we're going to have right the there. pastor on, uh, at least for one hour before we go there. Um, not only to bring you information about the taping of the TV show next week, but also um, some of the things he sees happening with the current state of geopolitics and Bible prophecy, not only in our country, but around the world. And uh, yesterday I was on his show for an hour, um, which was a lot of fun as always. And we talked about a lot of things happening in the country and around the world. Indeed. Um, it, it was, you, you were good, and uh, Paul Begley is always a crowd pleaser as well. And this will be the first time we've actually met him in person. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> a couple of things. I do want to make sure, that, and, and yesterday was it was with a heavy heart, uh, of course, talking about the police shootings in Baton Rouge and, and the, the target that uh, has been placed on all of the police officers' backs. And and uh, I, I just, I really request that that Everyone just does something nice and thanks a police officer for for what they do. Now I know again, as I mentioned yesterday, and we mentioned there are there are people out there who um, there are bad people in every profession. There are people that shouldn't be in their various professions, but by and large, you've you've got people who run into danger when others are running away from it, and they're they're the real heroes of our nation. And uh, we we must not conflate the federal policies at the justice level with those people who are working at in the, the, the mothers and fathers, the brothers and sisters, and the sons and daughters, whatever, um, who are the municipal police officers, who are the community police officers, who are attempting to do their job. But, yeah, there's been a number of uh, different um, things that have come out about police today. There is a hate cops billboard that has been put up in Indiana. Mm. Uh, also, this is, is terrible. Police investigating a restaurant that served glass in police officers, in a police officer's sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was also recently, I believe yesterday or the day before at Taco Bell, um, somewhere in the, in the country, um, two police officers went in to, to get food and were denied. Um, they, they were not served. And they were told to leave. As you continue to see the anti-police sediment across the country, and as you said, there are good and bad officers. Sure. Uh, just as there are good and bad people of all race, colors, and creeds in this country and in this world. Um, but one, one thing we have to be careful of is is taking situations, and, and I've seen this happen. I've seen other people do it. They'll take a, a portion of, we'll say, our show. And they'll take it out of context and say, see how bad these people are. And, and it's totally out of context. And I'm not saying that is what happened with the, with the various, uh, uh, police officer well, involved shootings. You I'm know, I was thinking that. today, if you remember back when we started the show and up until maybe last year, there was a lot of attention on, you know, when, when the, uh, Greek bankruptcy 
uh, and amnesty stuff was going on. There was riots in the streets, and there was a lot of police brutality videos that were being put together. And and these videos were of you know violence that was being done by police officers unnecessarily to people. And when you look back on that, and it just wasn't here in the U.S., it was across the world from right. uh, Germany and all these countries where the austerity measures were taking place. People were throwing Molotov cocktails at police. But I remember these videos were very popular. Uh, they were put out all over YouTube, used in different documentaries, which really started to build the environment of the anti-police. And, you know, I remember watching the videos and thinking, I can't believe how terrible these police officers are. And, and you know they were body showing them body slamming women for no reason and just the most and you, you had types the violations of, right you know I mean violations and I think back violations. on that and you know this was creating and, and cultivating the environment of uh, what we see today also in TV shows um, you know we talk about the predictive programming in yeah. TV shows uh, if you watch certain shows you will see the events that are happening today in shows five years ago, seven years ago, with this hostility and violence toward police um, and the clashes of protesters and police uh, that we see today were were shown in in many different um, TV shows uh, just in the last ten years. I mean, it's when you go back and, and watch. If you're like me, I, I used to we used to watch TV when we a lot when we were on the road uh, doing work after our surveillances were over when we had some downtime. Um, you know, and Seinfeld, one of your favorites, and you know shows like NYPD <laughs> Blue, and that was back when we were doing the investigative work. But you know, right. going back and and watching some of those things today, um, it's from a different perspective. I see it, and you can see the predictive programming in these shows. Yes, and and it's kind of frightening in a way because um, you know, these people knew. Where we where this was going to go, and and there it is. You're you're exactly right. They built the environment, right, and they programmed the masses to, into believing a certain narrative. And a lot of it, um, in addition to predictive programming, it's almost a predefined. Con- well, it is a predefined conclusion, and and hence we have the war on police. But but the, the I think the real sin here, and, and the real uh, person with blood on their hands is the man in the White House, Barack Hussein Obama, who has really stoked the embers of racist divide, the hatred, and, and the hatred against police. Uh, I I fault Obama. When, I mean, did you see today where he released a letter, an open letter yeah. in support? Okay, so... To the police. He wrote a letter right. uh, saying we have your back to police officers across the really? country. It's, uh, man, I look... Anyone say, yeah, I got your back, all right. He says that with one side of his yeah. mouth and the other side of his mouth, you know, saying that they need to admit their failures. And um, there it's does ridiculous. need to be more accountability, in, especially with people who hold positions of power. But see, not just police, but in, in government, too. But that's not where you say it. I mean, right, at, exactly. at a funeral or in a... But that's in a part, of, it. part of what has also fomented this, this uh, tension and, and the atmosphere we have. Um, right today is you know letting certain things go without punishment. The things I was talking about uh, just a few minutes ago, the overwhelming you know n- you can just see that it's police brutality without a shadow of a doubt. Um, 
you right. know, letting things like those Man. slide and then turning around and taking actual, um, you know, close calls where guns have been pulled on officers and they defend themselves and, and putting those in the spotlight and saying those are the, the, uh, you know, crazy brutality things. It's changed. Um, what once used to be called br- brutality, um, has changed now to where self-defense is now brutality. And I don't know how we got from there to here, uh, but it's happened. And it's just like what you were saying in the first hour, trying to demonstrate how right. someone's own opinion can, you know, now be fact and, and, you know, someone else's, uh, how they hear, how they what hear. other people say right. and, and that's all of a sudden hate speech because they're offended by it and disagree with it. Um, what does that say about the, the people in this country that, you know, you get offended by something and there, you think there's a right that you shouldn't have to be offended. Um, like we see the intolerant well, atmosphere in right. colleges where people go to speak at colleges and, you know, they're, uh, protested off the campus and, and not allowed to speak, basically being shut up by protesters. And we, we have this intolerant atmosphere in a country that used to be, um, able to disrespect or respectfully disagree. Now we have intolerant, you know, if you don't agree with me, you're a hateful, bigoted criminal. You hurt my feelings, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to sue you, mm-hmm. or I'm going to file a complaint against you. Now, we understand the difference, and we understand, of course, there, there's a, yeah, there, there are videotape, videos out there, I should say, about the, uh, as you mentioned, about police that are acting inappropriately. And the reason that I mentioned that is because I remember watching those videos in 2012, 2013, and thinking how out of line, you know, yeah. those, um, instances were and thinking that you know somebody needs to do something about this but not ambush police officers i mean but see this is where the the disconnect is because you know you're being the more that we play into the manipulation that is being conducted by the the media and the social networks and the zuckerbergs of the world um, has all played into this like i said it's like a bait and switch that's that's a very good point and they've i mean it's just absolutely, and they ignore statistics, they ignore the truth. It's all about sensibilities and feelings and, and being offended anymore. And, uh, not based on facts and not based on even reality at this point. And how we got from there to here again yeah. is, it, it doesn't make sense. But here yeah. we are. And, and here we are. Folks, um, we're, I'm going to do something. Joe, Joe's like, oh, don't do this. Oh, don't do it. During the break, he's like, oh, you can't. No, 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 we shouldn't do it. Remember a couple of weeks ago, a while back, uh, we asked you to email us uh, information. Uh, I got a, We got a call here at the studio, and it was from a person claiming they were from the United States Treasury, and, of course, they were going to take legal action against us, and uh, uh, they... They provided a callback number. Well, I called that number back, and long story short, they changed phone numbers. So I said, anyone have a phone number out there? Yeah, send it to me, and we'll expose them. Essentially, these are scammers who have taken upwards of, uh, I think, 15 to 20 million over the last year from the elderly, the people who don't know any better that the, these, these aren't treasury agents. These are scammers. So what we, what I've done, and what Eric said, don't ask me for another favor. All right. He brought me the, the the phone here's the phone now through the high tech we this is all high tech now i'm going to call 
And uh, Joe said, oh, God, don't do this. Don't let him do it. Uh, anyway, uh, Joe and I will call, but I'll, I'll call the phone number uh, of the individual. Mike and a few others have given us, uh, a few other listeners have given us information. Uh, yeah, Michael, thank you so much. Uh, the new phone number for these scammers. So we're going to call them on air. What do you think about that, folks? We're going to make some radio history. Don't worry, Todd. I got the phone. Todd from Global Stars. Throw the phones. No, we're going to do it low-tech. I'm going to just put it on speaker. And uh, let's see what happens, because let's ask for the individuals here. Now, again, um, just to give you the background, this from Mike K. uh, writes this. Well, I got a call. I got a call a couple of days ago. Said that this number, they were from the United States Treasury Department. It was a female voice that said money was owed, legal action was being taken, and even mentioned a grant during. Uh, and here in Pennsylvania, we had, especially in our town, what was it about a year and a half ago, two years ago, we had the phony court set up. Oh, the yeah. well, fake judges in a, uh, well, it I wasn't say phony. Ten, it tens was tens of thousand dollar, hundred thousand dollar type of fraud. Yeah, um, that was being perpetrated in actual courtrooms in this county. It was just a very unique way of doing things. All right, so and they got caught. Yeah, and I happen to know the the magistrate that was involved, was alleged to be involved in that. And uh, anyway, so so what do you think, folks? Why don't we give these uh, people call. Hopefully, their their number is still in service. Let's see what happens. All right. So here's the deal. There's a caller. People all the time have caller IDs now. So there's a caller ID that shows up, and then the message leaves a callback number. And I've got two emails, different parts of the country, and I just selected two of several. So hopefully, this will work out. So with the same callback number. So let's see. Let's let's take a listen here while we put this on speakerphone. And uh, can, can you hear that? Yeah. Okay. Let's see if we can get somebody on here. The number, the callback number is 408-819-9455. Did you check that number before you were doing this on here? Oh, no. So we're going to see what happens here. Oh, shoot. All right. At least it wasn't somebody's, you know, grandma. Well, we're we're gonna give it one more try. We're we're gonna call the number that appeared on the caller ID now. Speaking in the royal sense, a royal we, right? The indictment will say me, right? One, okay, three, zero, one, two, nine, eight, eight, zero, eight, three. Let's see if. Let's see if these are. We're sorry, your call cannot be completed as dialed. Man, I'm not having any luck. We're going to see if these are from the um, from the uh, U.S. Treasury Department. Let me let me see if I've got a different number here. Um, go ahead, you could talk amongst yourselves. No, here it is, right here. By the way, this was in June 26th. WorldNet Daily came out with uh, with an article about this. WorldNet uh, Daily again saying it might be an old scam, but apparently it's a very live and effective one. And we're three, at least three WorldNet Daily staff members have been targeted in recent weeks. And 
people are told to call about their case files. An estimated, by the way, an estimated 6,400 citizens have reported being cheated out of 36.5 million. My numbers were way, way lower. I apologize. Last month, the Treasury Department revealed or um, arrested five people in Miami accused of posing as IRS agents in the scheme that defrauded 1,500 people, netting the thieves an estimated $2 million. So I'm, I'm really kind of hoping here that, uh, let, let me go to one more email here and we're going to try this one more time. Um, and it's unfortunate because they do change their phone number show, as you mentioned. Very frequently. Yeah. Let's see here. Let me see if I can get one more here. Um, let's see. Oh, I can't call them. That's actually the person giving me the phone number. All right. Um, let me just want to make sure I got this right. What did I say? Uh, 301-298-8083 and 408-8. We're going to try this number one more time. And then if it doesn't work, well, all right, so be it. At least we tried. But anyone has the number that got one of these phone calls, send it on over. We'll call them on the air and we'll talk to an IRS agent. I guess the United States Treasury, I guess what they do is, uh, I guess they uh, have to switch numbers all the time. The U.S. Treasury Department, doggone it. I see. Today's a full moon. Is that, That's what's that, going on. Does that explain my behavior? Explains a lot. Yeah, it does. I'm sorry. Ooh, I have how, to check. Huh? I have hey, to now. check. All right. But, it, no, I, look, I'm not asking for trouble. I'm just... Uh, I just want to... I, I want to protect our listeners. I think our listeners need no, to absolutely. protect it. Because... Anyway, all right. Um, the immigration issues that are happening in the country. We talked about the Supreme Court ruling. Well, Obama pesters Supreme Courts for amnesty permission. Administration wants judges to rehear a case that has already been decided. This from WorldNet Daily. The president first said he didn't have the authority to change America's immigration laws to allow amnesty for millions of illegal aliens already in the country. Then he had the administration officials reinterpret existing laws to allow amnesty. When he was sued by 26 states led by Texas, he claimed he still could go ahead with his plan, but lost in court. He then lost the appellate court level and at the Supreme Court level, but that did not stop Obama. The White House is now insisting that the Supreme Court revisit the case the justices had already decided. Can, can, is that even... Because it didn't turn out the way that administration officials wanted. Is there precedent for that? Is there is there a historical precedent for, for that? I, I don't think there is, but what do I know? Um, Pete Williams at NBC has confirmed the Obama administration has submitted a request for justices to consider the case again. The request was a long shot because it moves, uh, because such moves are usually rejected. It was just a month ago, justices voted a 4-4 tie that left the standing lower court appellate decision that found Obama did not have the authority to uh, mandate the changes in the federal law he wanted the lower court affirmed a just district judge ruling that the Constitution doesn't give the president permission or authority in this case. In fact, um, Republican John Boehner, when he was Speaker of the House, 
listed online 22 times when Obama made statements that he is not allowed to do what he did. And they go through a long laundry list of things that he said he couldn't do. I am president. I am not king. I can't do these things by myself. Um, I have to have partners to do it. Congress has to put laws on the books. Um, but here we see... Um, the administration in 2014 announced an immigration law change that would shield more than 4 million people from deportation. And today, uh, some numbers were released from ICE, the yeah, if you Immigration and Customs numbers, Enforcement. My word. Over 945,000 deportations, um, uh, ordered deportations, did, have not happened uh, and are not going to happen, apparently, according to um what they're saying here um yeah and yeah. there has been um statistics that have come out the ice deportations at a 10 year low criminally criminal illegal expulsions cut by 60% and it goes on to say despite a series of crimes committed by illegal immigrants in public polls showing anger at um immigrants crossing the border. Deportations have dropped to a 10-year low under President Obama. The eviction of those convicted of uh, crimes has plummeted to 60% according to new immigration statistics. U.S. Immigration and Custom Enforcement statistics reported to Congress that show 230,000 illegal immigrants will be deported this year. That's slightly more than half of the 400,000 that were deported in 2012. The country has been flooded with juvenile illegals, a situation continuing today. And if you look at the numbers, um, the uh, deportations uh, in during the Obama administration reached a high around 2012, 2013, and they are at an all-time 10-year low in 2016. Um, and it's a very low. It's less than uh, 250,000. And at a time when we are seeing the most amount of illegal immigrants coming here, not only from Mexico, but from Cuba and Syria and the Middle East and those in Syria. Um, we know and have gone over those statistics where you have uh, 800, you know, Muslims, two Christians, exactly. 1,500 Muslims, one Christian. It's ridiculous. The, the deportations are down. The invasion is up. The word from the White House is hands off. Mm-hmm. Okay, you've got uh, an inordinate number of other than Mexicans coming through. You've got people that have uh, infiltrated all levels of our government, and and I mean it, it's 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 criminal what's taking place. Yes, it is. You know, so you had talked. We had talked earlier about the police. One agency that, to me, is not a police force, is not a commissioned law enforcement force, it has nothing to do with law enforcement, is the TSA. I don't consider the TSA as law enforcement. I consider the TSA as a rogue agency that has really, you know, people say, well, you should respect law enforcement. Well, they're not law enforcement. The TSA. And and here's, I don't know. I don't know how... Technically, they're under the branch of the Department of Homeland Security. Right. But they are not law enforcement in the sense they don't go through law enforcement training. They go through some type of security guard, mall cop, uh, 
there training you go. and Paul Blart mall cop <laughs> stuff. Okay, and this is not to disparage uh, good-hearted TSA agents out there. No, 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 no. You know what? I'll just no allow me to disparage because here's the thing. The TSA, if you work for the TSA, you are working for an agency, I believe, that is committing, in, in my personal view, and, and I think the Constitution would agree with me, uh, anti-constitutional, then you would be engaging in anti-constitutional conduct, conduct that you know is, a, is against our Bill of Rights, the first ten amendments of the Constitution of the United States. Right. But how right. many people are just trying to make a living? Well, it doesn't yeah. matter. How many, is that the excuse that oh, one I'm would use at, 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 at I'm Nazi saying, Germany? Well, yeah, that is the excuse that people I mean, would isn't use. that? But, but listen to this now. Um, this to me speaks volumes about the TSA. Because they're, the employees there are increasingly being cited for misconduct. Now, nearly half of the entire, not, listen to this, nearly half of the entire TSA, for those in uh, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, that's the Transportation Security Administration. Rush Limbaugh might have his real Linda or whatever. I've got my Hattiesburg. The TSA workforce, nearly half of the entire TSA, a total of 26,878 employees were allegedly involved in misconduct between 2013 and 2015, putting the security of the flying public at risk. Go ahead and grope me, you, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, grope me or nuke me. What a great idea this TSA is. There's a new report out. Misconduct at the TSA threatens the security of the flying public. It addresses concerns that the TSA, which has roughly 60,000 employees working at about 450 airports, is, well, they're not taking, they're not taking proper measures to effectively handle cases of misconduct among its employees. It's a 29 page document. It's a result of a six month joint investigation conducted by the Subcommittee on Oversight and Management Efficiency and the Subcommittee on Transportation Security. Examples. Oh, let's just, shall we, let's just peruse some of the examples here of misconduct. What do you think? You think it's, I don't know, telling off-color jokes or, you know. Well, you have a putting lot. A, putting a, 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 you a, have a whoopee cushion on someone's chair. Old people being thrown out of wheelchairs. <clears throat> you have the. Oh, that sounds pretty bad. Uh, How about this? Sexual <clears throat> yeah. assault yeah. that happened. Well, well, how about solicitation of prostitutes, accepting bribes, stealing money? Oh, oh yeah. Uh, wait, how about human smuggling and, and trafficking of narcotics? Mm-hmm. The GAO conducted an investigation in 2013 that revealed a 27% increase in TSA mis- um, employee misconduct from 2010 to 2012. So they implemented some GAO recommenda- uh, recommendations to curb TSA mi- misconduct. But it still grew by 29%. What a, what a great, what a great organization. Now, see, this report comes at a really important time for the TSA, which has been plagued by allegations and instances of employee misconduct at the highest levels of the agency, down to the frontline workforce. This according to the chairman of the Transportation Security Subcommittee. The investigation also found that while the number of employee misconduct complaints have increased over time, 
The number of investigations open and closed by the TSA have decreased by 15% and 28%. So we're not doing anything wrong, and to prove it, we just won't investigate. You, you see, in 2013, 780 investigations were opened from 13,722 misconduct allegations. So how would you like that for a job? Huh? We, we've got 13,722 misconduct allegations, so we're going to open investigations. How many did you open? Oh, 780. It's about 6% of the total allegations filed. In 2015, they they had a whopping 663 investigations out of 17,627 allegations, which, hey, they're up from 4%, right? So, so you know, misconduct allegations can be made by TSA staff, employees, officials, and other federal agency personnel, and even passengers. But they're investigated by DHS, the uh, Office of the Inspector General, or the TSA's Office of the Inspector General, depending on the case. The numbers are staggering, folks. And um, the refusal to investigate lawlessness. In 2015 alone, the average number of misconduct allegations filed at each airport, 58. Joe, 58. Um, that's the average. So... so the highest, what do you think? The highest is number of allegations of misconduct by the TSA. The highest would be about 1,400, roughly. Okay, so wow. per airport. So the bottom line is this. Per airport. Yeah, well, yeah. It's actually an average of 58 per airport where the TSA is at. Um, but, uh, and, and, and the, uh, Rep- uh, Representative Scott Perry from Pennsylvania, the chairman of the Oversight and Management Subcommittee said we're in the highest threat environment since 9/11, and terrorists are intent on attacking civilian aviation, as we've seen in Brussels and Istanbul. But the TSA needs a significant and lasting reform to address this employee misconduct crisis. No, we don't. We need them the hell out of our airports, and we need to have real security by the airlines that don't invade or that don't that don't um, violate our rights as citizens. And, and don't involve these 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 hacks at the airlines. You think I'm going to ever be able to fly again? Probably not. Will I ever fly again? No. I'd like to see the airlines bankrupted because I des- I think that they deserve to be because they're hiring these these brown shirts. Um, you had mentioned Joe. Uh, the, you talked about this. <clears throat> In fact, uh, you probably don't even remember this, but I'm looking at your notes on December 23rd, 2014, a Delta baggage handler at uh, Hartsfield Jackson Atlanta Airport was arrested for gun smuggling. And, mm-hmm. and then just weeks later, the FAA safety inspector reportedly bypassed security and flew from Atlanta to New York with his gun, uh, in the carry-on, in his carry-on baggage. Uh, so, uh, it's it's security is an illusion. But what are we going to do about it? I guess that's the thing that we need to be asking ourselves. What are we going to do about this? Um, the TSA. What are we going to do? Are we going to allow them to, to molest us and to keep us in this uh, in this state of lawlessness or, you know, in this state of, uh, well, it's the illusion of security when there is none and then you've got the TSA violating our rights are we gonna, or what do we need to do well how can we fix this 
Let me ask you, Joe, what would you do? How can we fix this? Well, as you said, one, we'd have to definitely get rid of the TSA. Um, we can look to other nations who don't have or have not had issues with um, security due to other methods of um, making sure that, you know, metal detectors, I think, are, are fine. I, baggage I don't have scanners a problem with that. are fine. I don't have a problem with baggage scanners or metal detectors. Profiling. I don't have a, don't have a problem with fine. profiling. Especially when it comes to, you know, terrorism and when we see the influx of, of illegal immigrants here in this country. Um, you know, there are definite profiles, but at the same time, we have to understand that <clears throat> a lot of the the false flags and the uh, attempted violence that has been stopped or the terror plots that have been thwarted, um, the TSA has not been a part of those, first of all. They've been out to lunch. A lot of them are handled internally by the FBI, setting up already, uh, setting people up in some cases to be the, the patsy, you know, giving them the, the, uh, the tools to, or the fake tools to think they're going to carry out some kind of attack. Um, but we have to remember that the, the satanic elite are behind these major, these major uh, terror attacks, like 9-11. Um, when we look at the shoe bomber, the attempted shoe bombing of the plane that was led that to the TSA yeah. and the body scanner rollout, uh, the head of the Homeland Security at the time was also one of the main owners of the... Could it be Michael Chertoff? Yeah, Michael Chertoff, uh, the Rapiscan stuff that, I mean, he would, he was one of the... Um, Let's follow the money is yeah. what you're saying, right? Absolutely. And there are much better ways to uh, handle security at airports than making people strip down, you know, either through going through machines when it's even proven that these body scanning machines miss 95% of weapons that are uh, put through the, uh, that go through the TSA. I mean, it is just a case of, of you know, bureaucracy and uh, what Obama said, you know, the civil police force that he wanted or separate police force that he wanted, federalized police force, this is what we are seeing. And the TSA isn't going anywhere. If anything, it's going to expand and as it has been into, you know, the, the Viper teams on in bus stations and um Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. And, I'm glad you brought that up. Viper teams? When was the last time anyone's talked about those? Yeah. I mean, it's been, there's been so much going on. Uh, you know, you don't hear about these things, but the TSA has been expanding. And other security measures, license plate readers. I don't know if, how many people saw um, this recently, but it's been reported that the FBI has uh, quietly collected almost 500,000 iris scans of U.S. citizens without their knowledge. Yeah, I've, I've got a real problem, and I hope everyone does as well, with iris scans, with uh, DNA testing. Um, now, I know DNA testing has its place, but, but it, when you... There's an and yeah, there's an article from Let me rephrase that. DNA DNA submission has its place, however, not here. Go ahead. Um, uh, activistpost.com from a few days ago 
putting out an article that I, I had read and saved. U.S. defense contractors to blanket Earth with new surveillance technology. And this article goes into how um, Google, Google Earth, Google Maps, and Street View and their systems have essentially recovered the uh, right to um, your privacy and transferred to any corporations they deem necessary and how these defense contractors from Lockheed Martin to um, Digital Globe and other companies are making uh, just billions of dollars through their government government connections and in uh, these corporations that are using apps on phones that are using search engine results that people you know say you open up a search engine and, and are looking for something all this uh, is logged and, and you're from your iPhone to your computer to your emails everything is tracked monitored the NSA uh, has all the phone calls in um, their servers that has computers scanning and what they have now is new technology well new to our ears uh, newer technology that has computer algorithms that break codes in prisons to where prisoners use code words for different things like uh, third-party three-way calls in in prisons. Mm -hmm. They would have special terms, things that human um, monitors couldn't figure out themselves, these new computer algorithms that scan through uh, these calls. And it's not just in prisons that the calls are scanning through. They um, check for cadence, they check for keywords, and they can basically... Um, decipher what is going on where humans cannot in conversations. If people are using code words, if they're using um, different means to communicate, then, then right. what can be heard if you just listen um, at a base level? These computers are picking up, um, and this is, I mean, we are, it, it's surveillance from, from birth to the grave, huh. um, and we allow it by carrying around their technology, by using their technology and that's what, do we that's have a choice yes we do cell phone. we we have a choice um but at the same time you know saying no w- would limit us to you know being unplugged from the rest of the world which is a good thing at the same time this is you know this goes back to the bible and this goes back to uh, what it says in the book of revelation about the end times and no right. man might buy or sell unless he has the name of the beast worships the the beast or has the number of the beast and we are being groomed and programmed to the point where i don't think many people will be able to tell the difference especially the way we see the country's uh, attitude and as far as christianity is concerned um, even the mainstream christian churches are not yeah. christian anymore and, and so who's going to recognize it when it is for it real is. when it Thanks. is your soul on the line in with the decisions you make and it is to a certain degree already today the decisions you make your soul's on the line and and there are consequences for for every action but there comes a point of no return there will come a time when you will have to decide whether you want that food or you're going to take the mark of the beast you want you want to live or you're going to take the mark of the beast i believe that i believe mm-hmm. that right and and you know the in perspective and context the coup in turkey that has strengthened erdogan that has really um, widened the caliphate or entrenched the caliphate where Erdogan wants to be the, the head uh, you yeah. know, caliphate guy. Um, 
that to me. Steve has it up on his site. Yes, uh, about and this. He was talking about that with me on, you know, on the phone this morning, and, and we had a good conversation. I got to tell you, the Sultan I of Islamic that. State, uh, Erdogan wants to be the Sultan of Islamic State. Former um, model turned fighter tells RT, and yep. there's other articles that Steve has there. But what this article basically says is a, f- a former Canadian model Don't even gave try up it. a glamorous life of photo shoots. <laughs> Um, to fight the Islamic State in Syria. She told RT that the biggest problem is Turkey supporting the terrorists. Turkey supports ISIS. And we, we know how it's Turkey. fashioned. And is, uh, it doesn't seem to get a lot of press coverage in the West. And it's all a sham because it's better to deal with the problem now than wait until it gets big and almost out of control in the future. Um, Which I think is, is we're already there. But She goes on to say, right now the biggest problem isn't so much as ISIS, it's Turkey supporting ISIS. Or Drogan wants to create an Islamic state, and he wants to be the Sultan. She says, "Right." And, and, and that's what that, and that's what Steve Quayle and hopefully uh, Dave Hodges are going to be expanding on on Monday. Yeah. In, in the com- and, and and he called this right. Uh, Steve called this right two years ago, correctly, two years ago. And, and people, um, uh, people back then said, "Oh, you're 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 just overstating this." But no, no. Th- this is this is pretty much following. The exact um, path that the Bible lays out, right? Many I mean, people are making. Um, I, I see. I mean, you know the Bible. The Gog right? and Magog coming up now with this Russia-Turkey alliance, and um, I would tell people to, to to take a step back and to study that. Um, and I'm not saying that it is or it isn't, but from what I understand. Um, I mean, it could be well, everything we're seeing in the Middle East is laying the groundwork for the end times, new world order, one world system of government, religion, and uh, economics. And, so, and it's coming at a breakneck speed, faster than I thought. It is now that it's been started three years ago. And this uh, here, Steve also has this on his site. And this is something I mentioned to you earlier, right before the show. Mystery of 14 Turkish naval ships still missing. You know, after failed coup. I, I heard about that. You told me about that. And I try to find additional information on that. Now, I, I, The Daily Mail has an article. Right. Aside from that. I mean, I'm, I'm looking through military intelligence because we're on, we're on like 15 mailing lists from military intelligence to intelligence to military to domestic and foreign intelligence and so on. So, But I could find nothing on that. Yeah, um, this article goes on to say more than a dozen Turkish ships are still reported uh, missing at sea and remain unaccounted for following the botched coup. The commander of the Turkish naval admiral, uh, Vassel Koscheli, also remains missing, having been out of contact since Friday evening. It's unclear whether he was part of the coup attempt or is being held against his will after local media reports said he was tricked into boarding one of the missing ships after being told there was a terrorist attack. According to the Times, the 14 missing ships were on active duty in either the Aegean or Black Sea on Friday. They have failed to return to their ports, even though they're likely to be traceable through radar, radar or satellite. All this has prompted speculation that the ships may be on their way to Greek ports where the sailors will attempt to seek asylum. The Turkish government has refused to comment uh, on the issue, but told the newspaper um, that there are sleeper cells that might try to hijack helicopters or engage in other violent acts against peaceful demonstrators and government buildings. 
Meanwhile, eight other military personnel who flew helicopters to Greece amid the coup have tried to claim asylum in the country. And um, so, again, so, so what? What takeaway from this? They're not. So, are they missing or are they? It's not being missing. Well, even though they're saying they can be found by radar and satellite right. images, uh, us regular civilians don't have access to real-time satellite So they're, they're not really missing. They're just right now not for. coming home. <laughs> I, I guess. But 14 in total naval ships are have failed to return to their ports in Turkey. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the real news is that uh, that demon woman of the slain Sean Smith, Patricia Smith, really, that's the real news, how this woman, is, is, you know, should be uh, uh, should be slapped around or whatever that uh, idiot uh, said, right? Nathaniel, uh, what was that, 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 sh- that person's name? Yeah, no, uh, Bethlehem uh, uh, Scholes, whose real name is Nathaniel Friedman, tweeted a death wish after the woman criticized I would Hillary like to Clinton. beat her to yeah. death, he said. You see, that's the real news. Not those ships and not the, you know, not what's going on over there. And more importantly, look what, over here. What capabilities and weapons systems are on these ships, I guess, would be the next question to ask. Knowing that they are uh, a lot, lot, lot of sailors shoveling coal, you know, in the submarines, right? Yeah. Um, hopefully, they turn Money? up sooner than Come later. On. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. You know, you know, this. You know, sometimes this is so. Honestly, when you really start looking into this, and uh, I watch Joe's head. I had to actually get the duct tape. Eric ran got duct tape and he got the orange kind and I got the, the silver kind and we were wrapping Joe's head because it was going to explode from from all of this news and sometimes you have to be a little bit more uh, I don't know, sometimes you have to take a, oh, a little bit of a breath and say you know let's have a little fun, let's have a little bit of, uh, let's smell the roses, smell the flowers and uh, I mean, you know, it's 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 Joe. It's really it, none of the news is good. No, none of the news is good. Except Stan Dale is back. Now he'll class up the joint, right? Yep. Yes, All he right. will. Talked to him earlier. He was um, energized, ready to go. No sense of me sticking around. We'll just have Stan come in and uh, hey, we'll do it, right? Looking forward to it. Here. Hey, did, did you guys? Did you, did you guys get your tickets registration for Indianapolis for the uh, uh, Paul Begley show? Come on now. This is the Global Star Radio Network. Town or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers denials and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. 
this? Can, <laughs> does your tie do this? All right. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this segment of the Hagman and Hagman Report. You have to be on YouTube, of course, to see what I was doing. Just goofing around here, uh, trying to lighten the mood in an otherwise dark period of time. And, and uh, speaking of lightening the mood and uh, and really classing our show up is Mr. Stan Dale, a gentleman that Joe and I, we, we, we tell the story all the time. Joe and I... Uh, Joe grew up listening. I shouldn't say grew up. When he came of age, he would listen to Stan Dale and Art Bell, uh, when Stan was on with on, on with Art. And, uh, Stan is a gentleman I have grown to respect, admire, uh, really respect his research, respect him as a physicist, a scientist, uh, and his wife as an author. And just a wonderful guy. Great, great people. So we're just so happy. Tonight to have him on the in the wake of the Colorado conference, having him back on our show tonight. It's such a pleasure to have him back. Before we get to Mr. Standale, I just want to remind people: if you go to HagmanandHagman.com, click on the link on the right hand side. If you're going to be anywhere near Indianapolis a week from tomorrow or a week from uh, Thursday, yeah, it's a week from Thursday, right? Mm-hmm. Um, folks, we're going to be doing. Uh, two television tapings. There will be a live studio audience. Get your tickets there. Come meet us. Have a cup of coffee. I'll buy you a cup of coffee. Just come up to me and say, buy me a cup of coffee. I'll buy you a cup of coffee. I'm saying that and watch. There'll be like, you know, 100 people or two. It doesn't matter. Um, but seriously, HagmanHagman.com right hand side, Paul Begley uh, will be taping a show at a live studio, television studio audience and Joe and I are going to be we were, uh, he was kind enough to invite us. But you've got to register to get your tickets, so please get your tickets ASAP because they will be gone before you know it. That's uh, HagmanHagman.com, right-hand side, Paul Begley Prophecy, live studio audience. Get your tickets, meet us, give you a hug. We'll take some selfies, and uh, we'll be known. Here's, I'll be known as the guy who knew, who knows Stan, uh, Stan Dale, okay? That's an old married with children sitcom joke. <clears throat> the man, the, anyway, seriously, Stan Dale is, is with us, Joe. Go ahead. Yeah, Stan's back from the conference in, in Colorado. And, um, we talked earlier today and, and wanted to come back on. And folks, go to standeo.com and on his website, you can go to the show images screen on the right-hand side of the microphone if you scroll down a bit on the right-hand side of the page. And Stan hasn't been with us for a while in preparations running up to the uh, Prophecy Watchers Conference, but mm-hmm. he's back. And welcome back, Stan. It's great to have you. Thank you, guys. Uh, good to be back. Um, it was uh, a very interesting and uh, rewarding uh, conference. We met, as you know, when you go to these things, you meet a lot of other people that uh, listen to your show and um, that uh, share similar ideas and a lot of other lecturers and, and their material from as far away as Israel. And uh, we met several people from Australia. It was just really quite almost draining because of all the sharing that we were doing with each other, all this stuff. It uh mm. Anyway, yes, it was a, a good conference, and uh, I think uh, there was like 27 messages delivered there and recorded. So folks who want to do that can go over to our website and click on that little link over to Prophecy Watchers, and you can still see any or all of those lectures uh, as part of a live feed on demand that's been recorded there. And I, I think it's worthwhile to do that, actually. 
understand. Commercial net. Well, no, that's great. Um, and of course, your your wife Holly has her new book out, right? Which just did tremendously at the conference. It's my understanding. Wanna, it did. Um, plug, go ahead and plug that that book because I think it's important that everyone have Holly's new book. Well, as you pointed out, uh, Joe, there is a um, a show images page there, and if you go over to that link and go down about six lines or so, you'll see our books splattered across there, Prophetic Perils, is Holly's new book, Prophetic Perils, End Time, Events Revealed, Mm. and then Dare to Prepare in Cosmic Conspiracy. Now, what is interesting, and I think you'll appreciate this, you know how Holly hates to do radio or TV or videos or stand up and do lectures. She's shy, but a great researcher and writer. So um, I started out the the lecture on her book, uh, one of the lectures, and uh, I told the audience uh, something to the effect of, you probably won't see her hand going up the back of my suit and moving my lips, but this is her lecture, okay? (laughs) It was good fun. And uh, right as we were kind of in the middle of that, uh, and everybody, we had security guards out the wazoo, you know, like the armed guards that were hidden in the audience with little earpieces and stuff because of the the threat of uh, possible, you know, uh, disruptive activity because Black Lives Matter was having a demonstration up in Denver that day. So I was talking away, and all of a sudden there was this pow, like that. And, of course, the natural reaction would be to kind of grab yourself, see if you've been shot, because everybody kind of jumped. And it added a little bit of adrenaline to the audience. It was just a, a loose connection in the sound system, but it did do the job. Wow. Um, yeah, that would be enough to, you know, to, to yeah. get me uh, a mm-hmm. little bit. Uh, wow. Okay. But but it was, it, yeah, you check yourself for, for entry holes, you know, and... and Wow. If I'd have thought, if I'd have thought quick enough, I'd have grabbed my chest and fallen to the floor. Something <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in the audience would have been at the door before I could stop them. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, well. Yeah. Uh, anyway, well. I was just being silly, but um, yeah, the the, uh, the reception of Holly's new book uh, was really good because people had a chance to go to buy the uh, the book stand that we had there at the table and talk to Holly and open up the book and see the table of contents and start thumbing through it and reading some of the stuff that was in there. And you could see their eyes just getting big. This is not a, a politically correct book, okay? It tells it like it is. You know how Holly is. She got right to the meat of the matter on so many things. So I think that's why it sold so well. I mean, uh, as, as Joe said, um, you know, we uh, we had to send her back to uh, Colorado, uh, to uh, Pueblo West, Colorado Springs, to restock everything because they cleaned off her table. It's just amazing. It, it's a message that needs to be heard, and uh, we weren't sure how many people there would be interested, but by golly, they were. Man. Prophetic perils, and, and for those yeah. watching on YouTube. Uh, we do have a, a photograph or a, an image of the book, and, and go to uh, standale.com. Definitely, it's a fantastic book in time events revealed. Thinking about you last week as the events in Turkey were unfolding, and I don't know where you want to start tonight, but uh, certainly the coup. The attempted coup? Yeah. I, I was, we were second. In fact, um, that whole show when we were doing it Friday night, I kept thinking, geez, I, you know, Erdogan, Stan Dale, talking about Erdogan, show images page. I was thinking, man, to have you on right then would have been interesting. But uh, if you want to start there or wherever you want to start, I, but I need to know what, what your thoughts are on, on that. 
Well, we can start there. I'm easy. There's many things to talk about tonight. We're not going to get to all of them anyway. But, um, yeah, at the conference, um, I forget, uh, when did they announce that? On Friday afternoon, wasn't it? Yeah. It was late like Friday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Late Friday. Late part, I can't remember if it was before or after my lecture. I think oh, it was before. Yeah, you are you're, you were in the mountain zone or whatever zone. Not the yeah. Different yeah. time zone, but they, you know, people started running down the aisles or, you know, down where the book stalls were and stuff outside the lecture halls and saying, did you hear there's a, a coup and uh, Erdogan has been, you know, overthrown in Turkey? Well, of course, I had Erdogan in lecture one and in lecture two. I pointed to him as a, you know, potential antichrist or second beast, but one of the guys to watch, you know, because of his growing strength there. And, um, I thought, well, I can't jerk him out of my lecture now. I'll just have to go with it. So before I was even through with the lecture, they were saying that he had um, maintained control and had arrested um, thousands of people and and had stopped the the coup. And uh, so I was was reasonably happy about that because I have to change the lectures. But it does tell me that you know I'm a conspiracy nut. I'm thinking for the last. Gosh, what six months? Erdogan's been trying to get his Congress over there, his Parliament, to to uh, give him absolute rule of the country. And of course, they see the danger in that, and they didn't want to do it. So there is there's other talk on the internet by people close to Turkey saying we don't believe that it was a spontaneous uprising because some of the troops that they talked to, who were uh, imprisoned by Erdogan said, well, we were just told it was a military exercise. We didn't know anything about a, a coup or anything. Uh, that most perhaps what was happening was that the top leadership had either been tricked into making a coup attempt or were in on it by Erdogan so he could gain absolute control of the country, which I suspect that's what's going to happen now. They'll they'll panic and, and give him absolute control. What's your thought on it? Uh, I think you're you're exactly right. He was pulling for, uh, you know, to change the the uh, laws in that country before this attempted uh, coup. It's now come out that they had they being Turkish intelligence and uh, the administration had advanced knowledge of it um, that they could take it over and use it to their advantage. Um, and WikiLeaks just did a dump on the uh, emails inside the military and administration there so we will know soon enough exactly what was known and what was not known and when WikiLeaks got more. it eh yeah. yeah there there was a huge document dunk the, the, the dump on with WikiLeaks but I've got to tell you Stan I dunk the dunk yeah isn't Dunkin Donut you know I don't know yeah um, but, but but I do think um, the the cleric that's in Pennsylvania that they're trying to to extradite back to Turkey, uh, he fits into this somehow. I, I believe. I believe that this was staged. I don't believe. It, I don't believe in coincidences, especially when it comes to government uprisings and coups and things like this. And I'm worried too about what about our nukes over there at the uh, airbase. What do you think about well, that? Well, uh, Erdogan has uh, blocked them now, and right. so that uh, they can't even get power to the base to our troops now. That might be a card he's playing to get this guy back from the states that he wants uh, sent back home to him, extradited back to to Turkey. Um, I don't know, but uh, it is a worry that, that we have live nukes there. And uh, technically speaking, he surrounded the, the the base, and he could possibly go after them. It might not give him 
Carolina now for probably a year. Watch this guy. He's one of the main players over there. And he was, he was making overtures uh, in the news here in the last week before the, the coup attempt to Israel saying, okay, look, um, we'd like to start buying the oil you've got out in your Mediterranean uh, wells, uh, importing into Turkey. Well, that's interesting. Uh, Turkey and, and Israel are supposed to be at each other's throat, but here he is putting out the peace banana. You know, let's let's join together. Uh, banana is kind of like a big weenie, you know. And so he's doing this, and one of his leading clerics um, in the country, uh, uh, what's his name here, uh, Adnan Akhtar. I've got a picture of him there on the show images page, an article about him. Prominent Turkish Muslim wants third temple in Israel, and he's meeting with, you know, leading uh, rabbis of Israel. They see him in the photo there. So he must be doing it with Erdogan's permission. I mean, this guy is like almost a cult figure in Turkey as far as uh, Islamic religion and kind of a uh, weird kind, because I, I think he uh, plays heavily with the ladies in that. But um, anyway, this guy is proposing openly now uh, to let uh, Israel build Solomon's Temple on the Temple Mount. Now, as I've said many times before, Erdogan and the rest of Turkey idolize um, Solomon the Great. Now, I'm not sure that they idolize the same Solomon that Israel does because the Turkish uh, history, uh, your biography on him, has him doing things that Shalmaneser, Shalman, Solomon, Shalmaneser I did several hundred years before Israel, Solomon was even born. And they they would accept Solomon's temple on the mount because in their eyes he is, you know, uh, like a hero and... Uh, and they look forward to a new Solomon-type figure coming to bring peace to the earth. Now, Erdogan probably fancies himself as that. He's, he's got a palace 30 times the size of the White House, at least. And, you know, he's he's just garnering so much control over his country, and hence in the region, that he's a force to watch. Now, he's already made amends to uh, Putin, uh, to Russia, overshooting down one of their jets that passed over the no-fly zone going into the uh, Syria conflict. Um, if he continues on this vein, he will be allied strongly with Russia and be ready to be part of the, uh, as Holly calls them, the stands, the Kazakhstan, you know, Afghanistan, all those that are going to join with Russia in the Gog-Magog war. This leaves all the Arab countries that aren't part of the Gog-Magog war kind of hanging out there, and what are we going to do with them? And that's where you get into my favorite little Arab guy, Mohammed bin Salman, the son of King Salman of Saudi Arabia. He's already put together an, an Arab consortium of, of reported 34 to 39 nation members, and they were put together, and they've had military exercises in the region with the Gulf states, to fight terrorism. Now, this is really kind of like an oxymoron or something of that nature because the the Saud family, uh, Mohammed bin Salman al-Saud, his family, are known as Wahhabis to, that's a a branch of, uh, a radical branch of Islam, to finance people and endorse people like bin Laden. And here they are going to raise a consortium to fight terrorism. We think that's a smokescreen that he's actually going for Israel and he'll be the Psalm 83 leader of the Arab states that go after Israel and get the heck kicked out of him. In fact, he may even be killed and or wounded so bad they say he's dead and he raises from the dead and 
you know, maybe Erdogan becomes a, you know the false prophet and uh, reveres him, or you know maybe Assad does. Uh, there's a number of other character players that could pick up the number two role, and uh, we can see why he won't have much power left. Uh, in fact, in Holly's book, the, the you know the uh, uh, prophetic peril, she has a map showing how much larger Israel will be after the Psalm 83 war. They they take the top half of Saudi Arabia and Egypt and down in Sudan and that area there and up in toward Lebanon, uh, Syria. It'll take a great hunk out of that region and return it to Israel as part of the Abrahamic covenant. So that makes Saudi Arabia a power to watch. And this young fellow is spending something like seven trillion dollars of the uh, uh, Saudi treasury to implement his 2030 plan, his vision for 2030 for Saudi Arabia. Independent of oil income, but still accepting it, but uh, going into tourism, going into precious metal mining and exporting like uh, gold, copper, brass, uh, tin, lead, they've got it all. And uh, a, a very big mine has been going since before the time of Solomon. And in fact, it was a, a mine that was started by the Atlanteans who were fallen ones, uh, you know, spoken of in Genesis 6. Now, just keep an eye on him. I mean, they, I've got a couple of articles on him up there you can link to uh, in the second row, uh, second and third pictures. And uh, everyone else seems to be worried about him, not as an antichrist, but what's he up to? Is he going to uh, collapse the Saudi economy or, you know, with this mad rush to have this reorganized country and economy. He's not even in line to be the king. He's second in line. His um, cousin, Mohammed bin Nayef, MBN, is supposed to take over from King Salman when he dies or is replaced due to mental health or ill health or whatever, which he does suffer at the moment. Um, it might be that uh, young Prince Salman never gets to ascend to the throne before he invades Israel, so uh, he may be uh, party to signing a covenant between the nations and Israel for peace. Um, you know, the prince of the covenant, as Daniel says. So there are a lot of little things that really flag this guy. I, I know uh, I have to allow for others to fill the shoes, but um, at the moment he he's kind of very uh, much a front runner. So that that ties in with with uh, Erdogan as well. And uh, yes. Saudi Arabia and Iran are at each other's throat, so I don't know where uh, Erdogan's going to be relative to Saudi Arabia after all this stuff happens. I think America's going to be neutered one way or another yeah, by the elections or the chaos that uh, precedes or follows the election, no matter which way it goes. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have so much domestic pro, we're not going to be able to help Israel, which means they're going to have to see that God helps them or, or they're done. And I think yeah. that uh, that will happen. Yeah, I, I think you're. I think you're right. You know, and and it's it's a sobering geopolitical uh, venue. I mean, when you look when you look out, everything that's happening is is very sobering. It's exciting. It's a great time to be a Christian. Exciting time to be a Christian, but it is sobering when you think of uh, the bumpy road ahead and your analysis. You know. And, and and Holly's uh, folks, I got to tell you, her book, fantastic book. Uh, grab grab it while you can. Um, yeah, I mean, she paints a, a, a puts things in some pretty good. Lo- I mean, puts things in perspective geopolitically and prophetically. So, um, 
And it's not like you have to wade through the PC parts of it. As I said, she tells no. it like it is, just like you were sitting here in the living room with her. And here's what you got to uh, deal with. And, you know, here's the proof. Yeah, and if you if you don't if you if you don't agree with it, she'll take no. I'm, I, I was gonna say she'll take it and hit you upside the head with it. Uh, that's me. I mean, I would do it because it it does. It's very frank. It's very. Um, it's it's folks just do yourself a favor, and if you want to understand the prophetic implications of what we're living in, uh, Holly Dale's book, absolutely. But yes, in, in your research, man, you know. Just looking at your show page, and folks, go to sandeo.com for his books, his videos, lectures, everything, Holly's book, but uh, show images to what we're talking about tonight. Go, go ahead, sir. Um, well, talking memory? about her book, there was uh, one of the things that uh, I was really surprised at was the number of cities that have uh, joined this uh, International Council for Local Environmental Initiatives, and it's shortened to the name ICLE, and that just doesn't even do the uh, justice to what these clowns are doing. Uh, you know, they're wanting to um, get everybody off of the country inside, you know, the land, and bring them into the cities and and use the places where we used to live on bigger properties, bigger houses, as agricultural or, you know, renewed uh, uh, forests and animal stuff and stuff like that. And there's over 9,000 cities she has on the map in that book. And I listed this in the in the uh, the lecture, but um, like they come under so many different names. They sneak in and they tell you, like our Pueblo West here, our Pueblo, our city nearby. Uh, since we've been here, they started putting uh, little marks, white marks, on some of the, the suburban or not no the city roads where people still live in the city there. And these marks are bike paths right down the middle of a two-way street, which doesn't really have room for, but that's part of the Eagley development. They have to do a certain amount to be a member of this worldwide organization. Now, the majority of the stuff happens in the New England states, California, and all through Europe, Italy. You know, you'll, you'll see it on the map there about, uh, one, two, three, four, five rows down. It looks like a blue map with green things. Just, you just click on that and you'll get a bigger map to see. All of these places that are members of this Ickley Council, which really is just going to take people's property away and move them into the cities. And I, I suspect that, uh, you know, Prince Salman is, is already uh, supporting that with his uh, 2030 initiative. He, he's very forward thinking. But if you hear things like this, uh, your, your neighborhood is being marked a bioregional or biodiversity zone or a buffer zone or uh, an eco village, or we're downsizing, or you know, uh, uh, walkable communities, or wildlands projects, or eco city. There's about, gosh, I don't know, thirty, forty different names. 76. Oh, seventy-six. Oh, yeah, that's right. Seventy-six terms that they use that she's found so far to hide what they're doing to move various cities and regions into this this horrible, horrible project. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of like uh, if you want to go to the country, you'll take a common train that lets you out, and you can visit a common wildlife area park, or, you know, you might be able to ride your bike somewhere outside the city. But in essence, they're going to put us in little, you know, city cells and, uh, you know, turn the planet into production land. Uh, I just, you know, I've seen this Tiny House Nation show with Holly several times where they build these 200-square-foot houses that aren't even as big as a, a room in a hotel. And they put in there a kitchen bedroom and a living room and all that kind of stuff, and you hang from the ceiling if you got a shave or something. But 
imagine giving up your house and moving into that? I mean, you're going to throw away tons of stuff into the into the garbage dump to start with because there won't be any room for it. But that's where they're pushing people toward living in high density living, like a, like apartments that are just very basic and very small. Right. Anyway, and, and, yeah. No, no. I mean, no cars um, unless it's an electric uh, uh, golf cart, basically. And we see bicycles this, in the bigger cities. They're creating, you know, these super small houses. You know, two hundred and fifty yeah. square said, feet. The container yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. And with the San, San Francisco and in other um, places like it, the rent is so astronomically high. Uh, you're talking four thousand, eight thousand dollars for you know apartments a month. Um, it's getting wow. a bit ridiculous. Yeah, and uh, there's no end in sight. But but, but you're right, wow. I, I, Stan. I mean, wow. and Holly's correct too. And, and I've seen this here in our own community, where even the officials in in our officials, the elected uh, officers in our own community, don't even know. They they get the the end pieces of, of the uh, uh, of this Ickley, uh agenda, the 2030 agenda, but they don't know the larger agenda. They think, oh, this is progress, and, and they're 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 hoodwink, hoodwinked too. And I think this is probably the area that we can fight them and and perhaps be the most successful at it. I don't know, but I'm holding on hope. At least we can push them back a little bit at the local level. Yeah, that works for me. Yeah, uh, great map, uh, great information on this agenda. So, yeah, yeah. Well, that's why it was well received. I'm sure is that, that people just did not realize that they're sneaking up on us in a way you just wouldn't imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and of course, the book also shows uh, other things like um, the depletion of the major underground aquifers, you know, the, the water that uh, we're depending on when we approach these uh, increasing droughts and, and shortage of uh, you know, potable water. Um, when you look at that and see how threatened our, our water that we just pour down the drain when we're brushing our teeth or washing dishes or whatever, it's so precious that people don't realize it yet. And when the water starts to be controlled by the world government and they tell you you can only use so much, they're going to enforce that. When you're in one of those apartments that you're talking about, when they put you into the little bundle, you'll do everything you're told. Uh, it's, I mean, that's even without having a numbering system, which we know is coming anyway. But, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, Holly also put in there some of the dream visions or uh, actual visions that very various uh, uh, like prophets or evangelical uh, leaders have had. You know, from David Wilkerson uh, to Branham to um, I mean, you know, she covered a number of these guys. I think about seven of them, and their prophecies for America, and some of them kind of differ on one point or the other. But basically, the the general gist of it is that we're about to collapse. And as part of that uh, uh, prophetic stuff, like with Perry Stone, uh, Perry Stone um, said that he was led by, to, by an angel or God to an unnamed river in his vision. He could see around 180 degrees, and that he counted at least five major U.S. cities where rioting and fighting were taking place. So Holly had to look up to see which cities have already filed for bankruptcy protection because they can't handle, you know, their municipal expenses, like, you know, for medicine, hospitals, doctors, fire, and that kind of stuff. Here's a list of just mm, 12 of those uh, cities that are bankrupt. Vallejo, California, Stockton, California, Mammoth Lakes, California, San Bernardino, California. By the way, that does sound like...
California, doesn't it? Now we can believe that. Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Central Falls, Rhode Island, Boise, Idaho, uh, Boise County, Idaho, Detroit, Michigan, Jefferson County, Alabama, Pritchard, Alabama, Washington State, Illinois, and Gould, Arkansas. All those have already filed for bankruptcy protection. And then there are eight more that are facing bankruptcy and haven't filed for protection yet. Scranton, Pennsylvania, San Diego, California again, Hamtrak, Michigan, Jefferson County, Alabama, uh, the county itself, uh, Bell, California, Central Falls, Rhode Island, and Gary, Indiana, and Flint, Michigan. All those are active problem areas where writing is going to happen when, you know, things obviously aren't budgeted, you know, aren't met with the, the uh, lack of funding. Anyway, she goes on and she has additional cities that are possibly in trouble, which you can read in the book. But um, that's, that's just telling us you know, positively, you know, why America is going to fall in a heap very shortly. And the, the, the visions do say also that um, uh, America will burn, various uh, descriptors of that, and there will be civil war in America. And we're going to be so weakened that we will not be able to help Israel in the Psalm 83 invasion. Now, if the Psalm 83 invasion is going to come in the next, oh, I don't know, six months, eight months, something like that, then America's got to fall to pieces to not be able to help. Um, and that would certainly be God's objective to make Israel turn back to him instead of any king or any country other than him to supply help. Um Anyway, that's, I guess I'm waxing on about that, but um, the... Uh, well, you know what? I mean, wax on, wax off. No, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Sorry. <laughs> you know, I, I'm in a goofy mood tonight, but but, but you know what? It's um, when you mentioned about us being, the United States being neutered, I, I think, that we're, I mean, we're, that's... I mean, look around, uh, folks. I mean, we are... In the midst of a civil war, I mean, my source back in 2013 or 2012, before the 2012 election, said this was going to happen if Obama was not going to get in office. And, and as a matter of fact, it, it, you know, Obama got in office. Now, with Obama leaving, it's kind of like a scorched earth policy. I mean, the civil war, the war on the police officers, the bloodied black and blue, pun intended, um, well, sarcasm intended, not pun, um, of what Obama has, I believe Obama in at the you know where the buck stops really has caused here in America. So I can see this taking place. I can see where America will be so busy internally that externally we won't be able to help anyone. Hey, did you see that that uh, article? There were several of them on the White House installing vicious spikes under the perimeter defense to prevent somebody jumping over it again. Saw that on your site. Um, yeah, I know. It's a hoot. I mean, if you look at the, the separation of those spikes they put on there, they did say, I'll give them credit, but they did say this was a, a, a stopgap measure. But, I mean, anybody worth his salt can throw something right across there so close to it and throw right across all those spikes and hump on over the fence, you know, and not even get uh, impaled. They're just not long enough. They're too closely spaced. And it's a typical government screw-up. But... And I guess the the upside of it is that if it happens before uh, a new administration in there or just after one that we don't want, it might uh, <laughs> solve a number of problems. <clears throat> yes. Anyway. Now. I love it. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, yeah. Go down about uh, one, two, three, four to the Atlantis picture there. Yeah. Um, we showed this at the uh, at the conference. 
uh, I did this just to show people in the about 2346 BC and older than that, you know, probably thousand years before that, what Atlantis actually looked like. And you know, I've been telling you that I've had Atlantis and your listeners for several months, even before the conference uh, thing. And what I needed to prove this with uh, geology, with um, um, flow patterns, and uh, with evidence. And this is what it looked like. It's that Saudi Arabian island, but it's separated from the Red Sea and the Mediterranean and the Arabian Sea. It's separated by small little straits that uh, allow a ship to come into the Persian Gulf, which was originally called the Atlantic. It's not where the Atlantic is today, but that's what it was called after the first son of Poseidon called Atlas. And um, anyway, if you see where I say the Straits of Heracles, that's like the, the, what they call the Pillars or Straits of Hercules in Plato. It's a narrow strait which links a large ocean or sea, the Mediterranean, with a large ocean, Persian Gulf, Atlantic. And then there's another little passage out of there, as Plato mentions it has to be, over to the Arabian Sea, that great sea out there. I tell you, we are looking at what Atlantis was as an island. Now, geologically, I've gotten support for this now because when you look at the maps of Pangaea, when all the continents were together and then they started to split and drift apart, in my case, they catastrophically split after the impact of an asteroid, but I'll get to that in a minute if we've got time. Um, when um, Saudi Arabia, which was Atlantis, this picture was connected on to Africa, or close to it anyway, with a river where the Red Sea is, um, as the continents broke up, well, Africa and Atlantis started moving toward um, Iran and Europe, as you can see down here the, under the Persian Gulf uh, label. There's a lot of high mountains, which is part of Iran. So it didn't always connect. The, the, the geology shows that, uh, that Saudi Arabia, or Arabian Peninsula, and Africa moved together toward uh, Iran and, uh, you know, Europe and uh, Turkey, and eventually closed the gap and sealed things off. But there was something else as well. The Bedouin natives, in their lore and legends about the ancient days, where the, the men of old, the old men, you know, that they called, uh, who occupied the land before the, the Arabs did, they call the Arabian Peninsula an island, the island of Arabia. And people saying, oh, well, it's just because they don't know better, they want to call it an island. No, their old legends do say it was an island. And then, just last week before I went to the lecture, I mean like three days before we left here and I was preparing my speech, a guy named Edmonds, a geologist over in Mongolia, contacted me by email and said, we need to talk by Skype urgently. I have proof that, your, that the Arabian Peninsula was weighted down on the Arabian Sea side, you can see that in the, in the image there, and pushed up in the uh, Straits of Hercules side. Uh, I said, okay. Turns out he's a Californian that's worked in the oil fields over there uh, doing um, um, deep analysis through uh, cuts through, say, Oman and uh, other of the stands. He's been to Saudi Arabia, Turkey, and all kinds of places. And one of his lecture points uh, on his PowerPoint was a um, seismic sounding through Oman, and in the picture you're looking at, it would be where the Arabian Sea label is, you go right to that and go straight down through the mountains of Oman, and the tip there. And he said, I found over uh, 
3,000 meters, which would be roughly mm, 10,000 feet. I found 10,000 feet of overstuff, overburden, that was thrown up onto Oman from something. And he says, your idea, I heard it on Hagley's about an asteroid, would do that. He was in the right place to throw all this ophiolite, that's what it's called, from the mantle of the earth and from the seabed itself to throw it up over onto a man. They can't explain, geologists, other geologists can't explain why there's so much of it there unless they have an impact crater, which I did find over on the east coast of India. We talked about that on the show some time back. So here I have a scientist with proof, and he says it changed the gravitational cost of the area. It made that whole end of the Saudi Peninsula, which is Atlantis there, sink down on that end, but it pushed it up on the other end because of the extra weight. And that's what closed off the Straits of Heracles, or Hercules, which joined the Mediterranean and filled all that area with blue, which was the original Atlantic Ocean, the Persian Gulf Plus going all the way. Isn't that incredible? It's a very interesting, Stan, and um, definitely a different perspective and, and way of looking at it. If I can ask a question, uh, at, the, at the risk of sounding like a real idiot, okay, <laughs> I think uh, you moron. Yeah, <laughs> that ship sailed, <laughs> at least for right, that ship sailed. Uh, okay, so uh, we're looking at the map, and for those listening via Global Star uh, or BTR, there's a map, uh, north would be Africa, and to the left would be the Arabian Sea, to the right, the Straits of Hercules, and then in, in the center there, there's Atlantis. Present day, where would, okay, that chunk that you have labeled as Atlantis, present day, where would that be? What is it, be? present day? Yeah, well, where where exactly would that be present day? It's all of Saudi Arabia, all of the Gulf states. It's Oman, it's Yemen, it's all of the Arabian Peninsula, and part of uh, the coast of Lebanon and maybe portions of Syria there as well. Wow. Okay, I didn't realize the enormity of that. Okay. It was a lot of ground to cover, let me tell you. I covered so much of, of this Arabian Peninsula down about 100 feet at a time and down an altitude of about 1,000 feet. You would not believe. I mean, Holly will tell you she's been hearing me go click, 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 click. Oh, wow. Well, click, 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 click for, for months now. And there was just so much information. This, this map I've given you here, if you zoom it up to its full size, you can see uh, actually where the, the capital island, Poseidon's Island, was and is today, even under 80 feet of sand or so. Uh, because the image I got here, I got from NASA, and I got it sent to me, one of the astronauts that actually took the picture, and uh, from, you know, from orbit. And they made it 3D, and I couldn't do it 3D here because you, everybody didn't have th- uh, 3D glasses. But if you look over the wording of um, Persian, and look straight up from where the R and the S are, you'll see a little pimple surrounded by a little bit of land and a little bit of water between it and the coast of Arabia, Saudi Arabia. It's, technically speaking, it's uh, to the right of Qatar and uh, to the right of Bahrain. And that little pimple showed up in 3D, just like gangbusters, and, and I had a higher resolution image even than you see here. And that, I have proven many points, that was the island that Poseidon, one of the fallen ones, took a, a human wife, Cleato, had children, and ruled for some time until he either died or left the planet or whatever. I don't know what gods do in their, their vernacular, but it didn't say. And the, Atlantis was punished long after he was out of the picture. But there, 
is also on, on that little island called Damam Island, D-A-M-M-A-M. Damam Island is one of about eight different choices that I picked to test each one of them to be Poseidon's Island. It's the only one that had the majority of factors that we needed. And it is also, coincidentally, the place that gave wealth to all of Saudi Arabia today. After the close of World War II, there was an American geologist or two that came over, oil, you know, uh, prospectors, and went to Damama Island and said, look, it's a dome, uh, unusual, and it was a, what's, later I found it was called the Damam Water Dome, and has a couple of layers and aquifers underneath it, which is quite nice over in that part of the world. Anyway, they drilled, and they, they got the old shake to own it, and they say, look, um, let us drill here. If we find oil, we'll pay you up front, you know, so much gold, because uh, he didn't want any currency, he wanted gold. And so they dug six wells, and they got a little bit of water, a little bit of uh, oil, and as they got closer and closer to well number seven, they were getting more water, and they were getting concerned. But anyway, they drug, dug one more, drilled one more well there, and they hit a bonanza of oil. Paid the sheikh $50,000 in gold, and from then on, a country that was broken out, everybody became the, the world's richest nation, and today worth about $17 trillion, more than, almost enough to pay our, our national debt in one check. So that's, that's Damam Island, Poseidon's Island, and it's almost uh, this, uh, prophetic, um, poetic, sorry, poetic justice, that the death of Poseidon's Island and all of its people in, in Atlantis is the birthplace of the oil that we're now burning in our cars. We're, we're, we're burning up the remnants of what was left behind after it was destroyed. Well, that's fascinating, Stan. And I'm just looking at some of your um, images here from previous uh, times you talked about Atlantis on our show that right. I, had, I had saved. Um, and it's hard for me to uh, imagine what the earth looked like then, you know, before the uh, continental uh, plates drifted apart and, um, you know, but those stories are there and they've been around for a long time and uh, I don't know, your work is always very interesting. Was, was there and again, at the risk of sounding like a complete moron was there water covering the non well was there water covering the was there water on the earth outside of that continental cluster yes oh most certainly yeah okay. the land mass right. is uh, surrounded by water and right. uh, there are slightly differing opinions by the the experts in the field as to whether when all the continents are together they form kind of a, C, a letter c shape or whether they were clustered more together there is evidence to suggest that the cluster into a total kind of roundish landmass is the way to go because portions of the coast of China do appear to match portions of the coast of um, the southeast portion of Africa. Anyway, it's that's debatable, but in essence, everything was connected. And they had little, or big rivers, as we found out in the Garden of Eden discussion, big rivers kind of running between what are now continents. When the, the meteor... Uh, impact occurred, the Kutapa meteor, which left a crater 250 miles wide and moved 6 million square miles of dirt from under the ocean over toward New Guinea underneath the mantle and shoved up New Guinea and portions of Indonesia near the Banda Sea up into a 6 million square mile bulge and then splashed the rest of it backwards over uh, Saudi Arabia. When 
when that happened, um, the split started within a hundred years. The, the continents just started to just rapidly zoom apart, and um, the Persian Gulf area, uh, which you see in this picture we're talking about, to the right of it, where it's now got water all the way up to the Mediterranean, that became a, a barrier of mud, which uh, Plato said, and the area became impassable, as, full of mud. And the mud was all over Oman. You can see the leftovers of it. If you look uh, just underneath the letter A in Atlantis, come straight down about halfway and then over to the left. That kind of solid green area and darker green where it's deeper was covered in mud splashed up by this meteorite. That part of Atlantis was sunk as well as the island of Atlantis, which I showed you a while ago at Damam. All that was under mud and stuff, and it had to wash off for hundreds of years, if not thousands. Well, thousand. No, they they resettled that actually uh, within three hundred years um, to make the the nation of uh, or the country of Dilmun. And uh, right next, amazingly, right next to where Poseidon's Island I've got there over on Bahrain. They excavated in the last couple of years uh, an ancient temple site with water flowing up through it, and they found that one of the temple sites, uh, like porch areas, had originally had stone uh, columns coated with copper. Now remember, uh, the Atlanteans are supposed to have coated stone on three rings around the the central part of uh, Poseidon's Island with um, uh, copper, uh, like a brass, uh, a brass tin, and or a calcum, this mystery metal. Um, anyway, it, the, the area was resettled after the flood debris dried and enough of it washed off into the sea, into the Persian Gulf there, that it was passable between there and India into the Indus Valley. And that's where the trade took place and where the seals of trade and sails have been found. And on, on Bahrain, there are thousands, nearly 10,000 graves of people that came after the flood to that area and started trade again. So it, that is Atlantis. There, there's no question in my mind about it. There, that is Atlantis. Nice job. And, and great, uh, fantastic word imagery. Thank you. Wow. The uh, if we can, uh, before I get off, I'll show you one other thing on the show images page, um, which is I found rather interesting. Um, to the right of the Atlantis image, there in the same row, you'll see kind of a tan-looking thing, um, which says secret base in Saudi Arabia. And there's an interesting story behind this. I snapped. Uh, a picture which we can talk about next week. There's just too much. I'll put it up next week. I got on to uh, Google Earth and I found there were areas right here in this image you're seeing in the green and to the left of it and down a bit that were too blurry to see what's on the ground. So I started researching and found that Saudi Arabia has certain areas that no one is allowed to take pictures of from the air or on the ground or anything. And I remembered when I was with Dr. Teller's team down there doing anti-gravity research in Australia, one of my security detail told me about a base that we had in Saudi Arabia, 120 kilometers outside of Riyadh, and that's there in what's called the Jabal Tuwaik mountain range. Now, that means that base lies along that arc somewhere, very close to Prince Sultan Air Base there, Saudi Arabia's air base. I found, not with Google, but with Bing Maps, I started scouring that area, and holy cow, I found a base there with a, you know, one of those white round geocommunication domes uh, with uh, with uh, what would be hangars, large hangars and stuff, of kind 
a rectangular or square design, but the roof had like big L-shaped cuts in it. It wasn't like the sides that would open out in a plane and taxi out. They had no airfield. And whatever was in there goes straight up through the roof, and it didn't matter what the, the opening size looked like. And I found three little round launch pads in there, or whatever it is. Uh, these things looked like something that would be American technology to me. I've seen other bases we had, and, and this looks like that. Well, I screen-snapped all that, thinking, well, I'll, I'll come back and look at this later. And with Bing... They don't include the latitude longitude in the uh, in the image you see. You have to dig for it. Well, I thought, well, I'll come back. I know where it is. I came back the next day, and it was gone. I could not hmm. find it. I scoured that thing there, 100 foot by 100 foot in strips, back and forth, back and forth, going down to find it. It was gone. And, you know, uh, I'll put the pictures up next week, just remind me, and people can try to match it in Bing from the color of the soil, the, the, the geography of it, and they can search and see if they can find that base. But uh, I think my IP address has been um, recorded, and I couldn't get access to those films anymore. Anyway. The, uh, okay. Um, and I this don't know. Base I mean, was an alien human, this base was an alien human base. It was guarded by lethal force at a distance, which meant you could even approach close without being shot down. Okay, that that answer that was my question. All right, wow. Okay, and quickly, we're heading up to the hour. I want to I want to tell you uh, on that same line over to the left about signs in the sun. This is the lecture item, and you know in the scripture where it talks about the the sun will be surrounded by a cloud in the Old Testament, and then the sun shall not give us light, the moon shall not give us light, or be a reddish color, a third of it, you know, blah, blah, blah. That spoke to me, as it said, a cloud surrounds the sun. Well, I found this happened in May 20th, 20, uh, 2002, to December 17, 2002, and after that into 2004 and up into 2009, that... The European Space Agency was taking photographs of this star, this variable light star out in the Monoceros cluster of stars. You can see them all around this thing with a cloud around it. It got very bright, and then within a couple of days, it got dim again. It was very bright. It looked like what was going to be a red giant throwing off a cloud of debris. It went through its stellar system like our system in a few days. It was way out and heading into uh, Never Never out there. The first picture in 2002 up there, you can see on the left, you can see how concise, how compact that cloud was. This mm-hmm. happened so fast. And the astronomical... The first yeah. one. Yeah, it does. But it's because it completely surrounded that, and they were using echoes, uh, latent echoes, off of that cloud to actually see down into where that star is. Now... They found out, and they don't have an answer for this yet, they found out that this is a red giant, but it's a cool red giant, if you could believe that. Which means that if this could happen exactly as the scripture says. Our sun could misbehave, surround itself with a cloud of debris that throws off and moves through the system, you know, through the entire system in the space of a few months or a year or two. And in the process of coming off the sun toward us, it would block the light from the sun heavily, you know, uh, not totally wipe it out, but it would block it until it passed us. I, you know, I thought this might happen a long time ago when I was studying this, but here's proof that it can not only happen, we can throw into a red giant stage without destroying the system, the solar system. Um, anyway, wow. the, the, the reference is there for the cloud, Ezekiel 32.7, and uh, I will cover the sun with a cloud, and the moon shall not give her light, and that's where it is. In my opinion, there will be a lot of debris left over after that. 
having to go through some leftover dust that's coming off. And the sun is not doing what it should be doing right now. It's supposed to be quiet, and we have a a, um, a storm happening now, a G1 level storm, which means it affects weak power grid fluctuations and spacecraft operations, a minor impact on satellites, etc. We're supposed to be not seeing any more of this, and there was a flare that occurred in the last 48 hours, and uh, this is affecting us. Uh, migratory animals are affected, so some of the, the whale beachings might come up in the next few days. So it is not doing what it should be doing. That's just the, the bottom line. You can see that on spaceweather.com, geomagnetic storm, G1 class, in progress on July 19th to the 20th, which means the thing that did it started probably mm, 17th of um, July as a CME, because it takes about two days for the stuff to hit us with normal speed. So the sun is still active when it should be quiet. And we've had a few days here uh, in the past week or two of no sunspots at all. And no sunspot days have occurred in the past, but we've had a number of them. And we're approaching the, the period of the solar sunspot cycle where this stuff should not happen. Anyway, I better stop there. I can see we're 